<laughs> Welcome to the movie podcast. My name is Anthony. Thank you all for listening to us. You probably are listening to us laugh because we just had um, a little, a lot of fun before before we started recording. Sounds like we took drugs when, we, when you say it like that. It's like we just we hit a lot of doobies before we hit record. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. As always, I'm joined by my two co co hosts. Daniel and Shay, how are you both today? today. Now hey. <laughs> they definitely think we're on drugs right now. <laughs> oh um, man, we're good, man. We've had a we had a crazy week leading into this. You know, we we were really excited for the PS5. We have our PS5s now, so I'm very happy. Um, but leading into it, I I felt like I was just going deeper and deeper into madness, waiting yeah. for it. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. But it's good. We're we made it. Now we could just stay in our rooms. Until and 2023, leave. never leave. Never leave. And Shay? Yeah, I'm doing good, too. I, I have to agree with you on the whole madness element of it. I remember the day, uh, it was Thursday when they were supposed to come out, and Daniel, you and I were kind of waiting by our doors throughout the whole day. In any car or truck or bird that flew by, we were like, is that the truck? It's here! Is there my PS5 in it? And uh, my family distanced themselves from me that day, too. They were like, you've gone insane. You need to go outside and get some fresh air. Yeah, I think you guys made me insane because I'm not really the, the guy who waits at the window. Yeah, yeah. But, but like talking that day, uh, talking to you guys, yeah. you <laughs> kind of built this anxiety that I wasn't gonna get it, <laughs> and then I didn't get it, and it's just like I'm like fuck it, I don't care anymore. Listen, and, you know, eventually came, which I'm glad it came before um, the weekend. So mm-hmm. that was great. It was my weekenders. Ah, hey, uh, winked at us too. <laughs> We're um, definitely high. But yeah, that, it was uh, what a what an experience. Because oh. I usually are, I'm not really excited about things that I buy. I just I'm pretty chill about it. Right. But yeah. you guys made me excited about it. So it was, uh, even like when I was unboxing it, like we'll talk about it more. But like I w- it wasn't processing. I'm just like let me plug this in, <laughs> set it up. Yeah, and and you look like a mad scientist yeah. when you're doing it too. Uh, I'm like, here's a wire. Here's a wire, guys. There's a wa- there's a charger in the box. <laughs> um yeah we're good man we're that's good, good. that's good. good um as always you could catch a new episode of the movie podcast every monday across all your favorite podcast services <laughs> daniel's just dying of laughter for some reason what's wrong Why are you if you want to be part of the show give us your comments suggestions corrections and head over to this time with.com slash talk Daniel, do you want to? No, I'm just, I'm just, I just remembered the the audio test that we did before we started, oh, and that's why it yeah. just came back to my mind. Why we were all laughing? I wish I was recording Anthony scream into the mic. <laughs> I just, it was like a Tuscan Raider. I'll, I think I'll include it at the end of the show after the final jingle. So listen, just listen to it there, so you could hear exactly what we heard going into this episode. We were testing the mics. Yeah. Okay, guys, don't judge. Is that what you call um, follow us. You can also follow us at. The movie podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and join our Discord. Check out our show notes for all those links and more. Um, we have a new five star review, and this is coming from Domaholic. Uh, a must listen. I've been listening to their podcast since episode one, and it's easily part of my weekly rotation. All three of these guys have phenomenal chemistry and are very in tune with film and what's going on in the movie industry. They give you news, reviews, and recommendations based on what they are watching. Five-star podcast. Thank you, Dom. Thank you, Dom. That's actually really, really awesome. And we're glad to be part of your weekly rotation, uh, even when we 
start laughing really crazy and loudly and we have our odd discussions but thank you for listening i hope you're laughing with us i hope you're laughing with us too and we have a mail-in shay would you like to do the mail-in sound (laughs) (laughs) mailbag (laughs) (laughs) it's a a twofer always it's got it got i have needy assist on that one always um this is coming from victor victor says hey guys long time no talk since our family loves to go to the theater and now we basically can't. We decided to put one together in our basement. Now, because of limited space, our theater walls are only allowed for four movie posters. Which four movie posters would you each uh, <laughs> would each of you choose? Thanks, guys. Awesome work. Keep up the amazing content. You guys should be super proud. Thanks, oh. Victor. Thank you, Victor. Okay. Thanks, Victor. So, what four movie posters would we choose to put in our theater room? I like I'm I'm a huge collector of Mondo prints. I have yes. I think a hundred more than a hundred prints. Jeez. Um, but we decided before uh, we started the podcast <laughs> that I can't put any of those. No prints Mondo up. prints. No only Mondo ones prints. You would see in a theater. But we need to we need to definitely have an episode one day where we go through your library and yeah. you kind of just critique and review them. Maybe. Yeah, that that would be awesome. I um I I have so many. I. I I would love to kind of dive into yeah. what each of them represents to me yeah. or why I chose them. Yeah. But yeah, um, I'll start off. I'll, go, I'll say my first one, and it's The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Great one. Um, not the, the, the whole character print. It's the one with young Anakin Skywalker, and there's a shadow on the wall in tat- the, the Tatooine building of mm. Darth Vader. And it was just like this foreshadowing of who this little boy is going to turn into mm-hmm. which was like mind-blowing like oh my gosh this this kid is going to be darth vader there was a tagline wasn't there a tagline on like the legacy begins or the saga begins or something like something that? like that yeah. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful it's so beautiful and it's just it's impactful because you know the end result for this character so um i would put one of those up yeah on my wall a good one. it's a great one what about you shay uh so Similar to Victor, we actually I actually have like a little home theater system set up downstairs. I got a projector and a, and a big screen, and um, we put up some movie posters already. And the wall that we kind of have it's it's two sections across from the um, the projector screen, and I have two posters up right now. So currently, I have Jurassic Park up, and I have Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. Um, it, it, and we got this poster, the, the Rogue Nation one from. Paramount Studios when we went there on a tour yeah, the they gave Paramount us tour, yeah, yeah they gave us the poster <clears throat> and uh, I absolutely love it and it's the one with him hanging off the side of the plane but I actually really wanted the Rogue Nation poster of him on the bike just kind of uh, turning, turning yeah. left and in the background you see the other person because it's such a simple poster but yeah. I love the angling of it so I wish I had that one I wish um, I chose Mission Impossible I wish I didn't choose Jack Reacher too. Jack Reacher never go back or never something like, what a bad where is movie. that where is that poster for you by the way curious it's somewhere in the house <laughs> it's it buried be, with it, it. it should be buried <laughs> in the house right now yeah there was, that was uh, I was like Daniel maybe do something else <laughs> I don't know man. No, Jack man, Reacher hasn't come out it's, yet it's a new movie it's gonna be great Dude, you know <laughs> whenever I watch that movie which one uh, the second one I only watched it Jack Reacher 2 how yeah. many times are you yeah, watching it by the way my parents for some reason whatever they're watching is always on so they tend to watch it oh okay so I watch, like, I'll sit down and you're supposed to be like what are you doing what are you guys doing why are you watching this trash yeah, yeah it yeah. is so it's bad, really bad. second one's it's really so bad. bad first one I, I there's there's good moments in the Very first enjoyable. one I think it's too long yes. but 
second one's just not good. Second one's just weird. Like they introduced this whole like daughter ish kind of dynamic. Yeah, weird. Uh, little girl. Da- it was weird. Um, I also have um the town framed already as mm-hmm. well. It's not up yet. Um, but I'd probably also add the social network in uh, for myself. That's probably oh, the yeah, with the block, that I would do. Like the, yeah, because yeah, that lettering. was one that really yeah. started that trend. Wait, are you are you like the fight? Like you don't get to you don't get to five hundred million. Yeah. I have yeah. that one. That you was, do actually. I, eh? That was uh. So back uh, before I moved, I had a bunch of movie posters. I still have movie posters up in yes, here. So, you do, yeah. Um, but before, like my walls were really painted with them. And social network, you don't get to five hundred million, million friends, friends without making a few enemies. I love that one. We should do an episode about guessing the movie based on the tagline. That just came to my mind. Mm, that's a good one. Um, write it down. Yeah, the social network I think was a great one. Uh, Dark Knight, I would have to have a Dark Knight poster up. Either uh, the Dark Knight like teaser with like the Batman as like Joker's mouth and like the eyes, or the one with Joker saying "Why so serious?" Um, I, I kind of want to have a mix of like old and new. So like I love the classic like Rocky poster because mm-hmm. it, it just kind of like just like yeah that just reminds you of, like this is a. A movie, you mm-hmm. know, or even uh, Godfather, Goodfellas is another big one. Or any, I'm trying to think what Tarantino one I'd I'd put up. I mean, I, like, I think I'm I'm very Pulp Fiction with that one, yeah, just because it's, it's so, so iconic. Right? iconic yeah. yeah, there's so many. Um, and then I want something more modern too. So maybe like, maybe uh, Infinity War or Endgame mm-hmm. had some really nice ones too. I mm-hmm. love. I'm a big fan of the IMAX versions of posters. Yes. Um, I Minus have, the giant IMAX logo <laughs> on them. Because they're always like really good posters, very minimalistic. And then at the very bottom, we'll say, yeah. see it in IMAX. Or the whole poster is like IMAX and it's the characters kind of popping yeah. it out. No, I have a Thor one um, from the first Thor movie. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's just like Thor holding Mjolnir and it's like pouring rain. And it says like, courage is immortal on it. I'm like, that's so dope. And it just looks really, really cool. It looks mm-hmm. really powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Victor, tell us what you end up choosing. Yeah. Cause, and, and send us pictures because we'd love to see what it looks like. And he's got three more, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I, I just went through. I thought we were going to do one, 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 one all the way around. Uh, yeah. 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 We have very limited time in this podcast. So <laughs> you think we're here for you know, hours. Well, podcasts could be like five hours. It, it, could, it, be. Be. it could be. Um, the next one I would probably post is Scream. Yeah. That's um, Scream with the, the mouth over the hand over the mouth, the mouth over the hand. The hand and, over and, the mouth. And they're and the characters in the front? Or just the just Just her. Because the, there was two versions they had, I remember. Oh they had one yes, of yes, just yes, her, yes. and then they had one of just her and then the character profiles in the front. The one with just I guess Drew Barrymore's character yeah. and her hand over her mouth and it says scream at the bottom. Mm. Yeah. Which is that, like her eyes one? are very, very blue. Yeah, I don't want. I don't like the characters at the at the bottom there. No. Yeah, the floating heads. Floating heads is a is a something that I don't think we've been able to escape yet. Also, either. it's funny because that that character poster, none of the characters look like they do in the movie. You know, like Skeet Ulrich does not look like that in the film. No. He doesn't have a mustache looking like Johnny, Johnny Depp. No. <laughs> um, and it's, also, uh, David Arquette. Doesn't really look as suave and handsome. Courtney Cox doesn't look like that either. No, that looks like Courtney Cox is straight from the set of Friends. Here. Yeah, uh, this is probably just like promotional shots, promotional sure. shots yeah. that they did, and then they did it. Well, and it's it's funny because there's a, a trailer that just came out this week, Happiest Season. Okay, with uh, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. Uh, Mackenzie Mackenzie Davis, right? I think so. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 And it's the poster for it. Literally, just looks like pictures of everybody from different. Oh yes, movies. yes, yes. Trailer yes, looks yes. fun, but like the poster itself, I'm like, oh my god! Like, I guess this is with COVID now. They couldn't get <laughs> together. They couldn't have a cast photo shoot because everyone just looks like they are not in that room together. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also put Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Just you know, Jurassic Park, the logo on black, 
it just reminds me it's just so iconic mm-hmm. it almost feels like this is a real theme park out yeah. there yeah um, for sure and then blade runner oh blade runner yeah for sure which, which is fantastically drawn out and there's a bunch of bond ones but there's so many and i'm gonna get into my bond um sorry I, so- when i've been watching <laughs> so well i don't know bond is kind of tainted to me a little bit so oh, okay yeah. well, well set it again to that then oh this is it i just i just pulled up the the happiest season poster it's funny because uh um dan um my god dan, dan, dan levy dan levy he looks really squished yeah like he looks very long yeah they just have to he looks like his there. dad and Victor Garber looks a little... Victor uh, Garber is just like, remember when I told you about the boats, Rose? <laughs> <laughs> also, Alison Brie doesn't look anything like Alison Brie, and neither does Aubrey Plaza. No, I think they just cut them out of other shows they were in. This is, I think, from People Magazine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> page 8, I believe. You know, it's just, it's just a very... Like, they, like, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis are clearly not together here. This is them at a New Year's function. No, yeah. they have oh, to be sure. there. Her no. hand's on there. Dude, this hand is 100% photoshopped. Really, this eh? This hand is 100% photoshopped. It's not even her hand. It's There's black. not like You see like the drop shadow and stuff on here? This was literally just cut out and put on here. Crazy. It's very, very strange. Yeah. It looks good. Let's, let's talk about some special announcement that we have coming. Hi-oh! In our future episode. And that is Avengers Station this week. Follow us to see our coverage. So, um, dang, I know you... You might know more about it. Sure. Um, what is Avengers Station, and how can you describe that to our audience who might not know what this experience is? So, Avengers Station is like an exposition, exhibition event. Exhibition, yeah. yeah exhibition, not exposition. Exhibition no. event happening at Yorkdale Mall in Toronto, and it basically is, a, if you love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is the place to go. So, literally, it's... You'll see Iron Man suits there. You'll see like Thanos. Like you'll literally see anything that has to do with these movies on display. And it's an exhibit you could go around and look at and learn about all these characters and really make you feel like you're in the world. Like it literally, when just from the the photos of it, it looks like you're on almost like like you're in a shield mm-hmm. a facility yeah. and you're seeing all this. And literally, you see like a bunch of Iron Man suits and you could like interact with everything there. And you could try and lift up Mjolnir. Like it looks really dope. Yeah, at your, it's happening at Yorkdale. Um, I think until January. Yeah, it's, it starts with uh, this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah, so it uh, opens up November 20th. And, that's and then you could go and I believe tickets around $30. And it looks really cool. And they have a really cool merch store as well there too. So I'm excited. We're going to be checking it out this week. So make sure you're following us at the movie podcast on Instagram and Twitter to see all of our fun photos and videos there. I'm really excited. Me too. I'm, I'm really, really excited, excited for the gift shop. <laughs> gift shop, 100%. Yeah, me too. We'll do all of our Christmas shopping. Yeah. There. Um, today's topic of the show is we had the privilege to interview Mr. Doug Langdale, who is the creator of one of our favorite shows, The Weekenders. Mm-hmm. So we got to sit down with him and chat about all his different um, productions and how he felt about The Weekenders, creating it, and his experience with animation and what he's been doing during um, these crazy times. He's worked on a lot. Like yeah. when we were when we were kind of just breaking down his career with him, it's like, oh my god! And he worked on Darkwing Duck, and Aladdin, mm-hmm. and Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. and a bunch of Netflix shows. Now, like he's worked on so many things, so it's a really fun conversation. Yeah, let's get into it. I was I was looking at Shay. <laughs> You're looking at Shay, and then Shay. I think Shay thought he was late, but he actually came in early Ooh. because he was trying to overcompensate. 
that. We that have to stare at play. each other. We have to stare at each other. <laughs> but guess, but guess, my eyes can't go. You know what it is? I think we were just waiting for. Let's get into the news, and it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, let, I was let's, waiting for the key word. You know, you can be the key word. I, yeah. I, see, when I host it, yeah. I don't have to say the key word. No. Oh, I'm my, my. Anthony's bad. saying when he hosts, he doesn't. He have runs to host. the place that he wants to do it. Um, first order of business. PS5 first impressions. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about how we felt with our PS5. Um, what were the first games we played? How was the unboxing? This new story is coming from Daniel Anthony and, and Shabazz. Shabazz. Yeah. Of the movie podcast. Of the movie podcast. Don't quote us. Oh. <laughs> it's our quote. Don't quote Don't us. Don't quote us. Yeah. Um. So, how, like, let's talk, let's dive into it. PS5 impressions. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about it? It's a huge console. Like, again, I knew we were expecting it to be a big machine, but I'm looking at it right now, and I'm just like, oh my god, it literally is like half the height, or maybe more than half the height of my television mm-hmm. on the stand. Um, I have it vertically right now. I think it looks so dope vertically. We, the three of us all went for the digital editions, mm-hmm. so we don't have that extra little baby bump on it for uh, physical games, but my god, what a first few days. This is day five, four, four, four. with it, right? Uh, three and a half, four. Yeah. Um, we got them Thursday evening. Yeah. So honestly, I've been going really hardcore with it, mostly playing Miles Morales. I'm. I looked. Uh, luckily, it counts the time that you've been playing. So I'm like 22 hours into this game right now. I've beaten it twice, uh, to get the platinum trophy. But damn, it is fast. It is quiet. It just. It literally feels like a generational leap. It feels new, mm-hmm. and like it just. I'm. I'm blown away of. I felt I was telling Shay I've I've been feeling so disconnected from social media the last couple of days because typically what would happen is if I'm playing a game I'll look at my phone loading screen I'll pick up my phone and check it this thing is too fast I don't even have a chance to pick up my phone mm-hmm. and it's just it's just really throwing me off because I'm just like oh I'm just it's just investing me more and more into this game then all of a sudden I'm like oh I've been sitting here for six hours playing a game yeah um it's just I'm loving it so far. it's crazy how much load times really take up your time. Um, when I started, when I, when I turn on my TV or when I turn on my PlayStation, my TV now turns on, which, cause it never did before. So it yeah, has like the, that HDMI device. pass through. Um, and I'm like in the game, yeah. no loads. I, wherever I left off, it's smooth. The UI is perfect. I'm, I'm really like stoked that this is the future of PlayStation gaming. And it's only going to get better. And it's only going to get better. Because all this stuff, all what we're experiencing right now is just the tip. They yeah. always say it's the tip. Yeah. Wait, like two it's years. It's literally years. the tip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the it's the teep. The teep. You know, the teep. not the teat or the teep. It's no, a teep. It's yeah. teep. Uh, yeah. No. Same here as you guys. I, I I don't think I realized how, you know, how much loading time was given to games. Like you're like, oh, okay, it just became a part of life. It was like commercial break almost. Um, but now I'm so into a game that I haven't even sat down yet. Like I'll hit the PlayStation button, TV turns on, game's right there, I'll hit X. And the next thing I know, by the time I've sat down on my bed, I'm already in the game and I'm ready to go. And it, and it's wild. And the games that we're playing right now are Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And wow, like, let's talk about this, this game, how, how cinematic it is. I haven't finished it yet. I know Daniel, obviously you said you finished it twice. Um, Anthony, you're still (laughs) going through it as well. But you know, when it comes down to storytelling and overall that cinematic feel, the best part about this is we're already seeing people make all these videos online of them wearing the Miles Morales suit from Spider-Verse. And also that comes with a frame rate drop as well in the game that yeah. they use. In Animating the movie. on the twos, as they say. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
and and people are recreating you know that movie in this game now and it's such a wild experience like you know for people that who love film this is such a cool thing to see i'm just blown away again like spider-man 2018 is one of my favorite games of all time i loved what they i've never had i've never played as i i grew up playing spider-man games always yeah i've never had a spider-man game that made me feel like this is on par or i love this more like in terms of like how my love for this of, of the movies like i love this iteration of peter parker i love this world of new york and miles now getting to star in this game even though it's a smaller story it's still a it's still such a personal story for miles and i really loved my i really loved what they did with him as a character and really fleshing him out and kind of giving him a worthy story like to this game and what a way to launch a system too mm-hmm. yes it's, it's it's a familiar game like if you've played the first game you're going to know what this game's all about but i think miles's abilities really freshen it up and the first playthrough i did i did on fidelity mode so it was 30 frames per second which i thought looked amazing on my second playthrough i was doing 60 and it still looked amazing like, i really like yeah there you may not notice some reflection somewhere but it looks so good that you just I'm like, I'm never going to take it off 60 frames per second now. That's the thing, man. That 60 frames makes a world of a difference. Because I'm right now playing in performance, which is a 60 frames. So that's my first playthrough. Then I'll do the 30 frames after. Anthony, what about you? I I did 30. You did 30 30, as well? And then I'll go into 60. Yeah. Um, I think you may struggle, Shay, going back. That's the thing. I think I will because I, you know what? It's 60 is so good. Especially for Spider. Like it literally, you move so fluidly. Yeah. Um, especially for my second playthrough, because you have all your abilities from the start, I'm literally just like flying through people. When you're swinging, it feels so natural yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. I went back to my first save, which was a, on the 30 FPS. Mode, okay, yeah. And I'm like, I, I was just kind of circling around the city. I'm just like, oh my god, this is so slow. It is. <laughs> so right? I, I'm like, thank god. I'm like, thank god, I'm playing this. <laughs> I'm on performance now because yeah. it's just so. It's, is what a game. Uh, and then again, like Astro. Yes. Astro's play. Uh, Astro's playroom. Yeah. What an experience for that controller. So Astro's Playroom, I, I got my platinum for that. I'm very excited. Amazing. Because that game, it's, you think it's going to be a tech demo. You think it's just going to be this packed-in game to show you how to use the controller. But there is so much love for PlayStation in this game. Um, it rivals Nintendo's platformers as well, I think. When you look at how much love Nintendo puts in their games, yep. this is PlayStation either paying homage to that or just kind of doing their own thing and saying hey we love what you did nintendo we're gonna do our own thing as well here it's just it's just a love letter to it the, is to PlayStation. such a love letter there's so many great easter eggs um there's a final boss battle i don't want to spoil it but i i was smiling the whole time playing because i'm like oh this is playstation history and i'm fighting it that's amazing uh it's great it's it's really i, I finished it in about five hours to get the whole platinum as well so it's not really that difficult but it's so much fun that's what i'll say about it what do you think of the controller Oh my god. It's great. It's great. It's that 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 feeling of pressure from the the Sorry. triggers. It's crazy. It's like you're fighting with this controller yeah. to get your movement out and it feels so natural. Um even the vibration of going over sand or even clicking on buttons, the vibration motors inside the this controller. You feel those buttons it's like, being pushed. It's like perfect. Yeah. There's like Miles has like elect- obviously like the venom like, electricity and like you feel it like almost it almost feels like the feeling of it shocking you where like you feel like there's electricity in the controller the way yeah. it kind of spreads out and stuff I'm just like how is this how is this happening yeah it, 
What an experience. There's a, there's a moment in, in Miles, and it's not a spoiler, but um, you're, you're kind of fighting against Rhino, and he's walking around a bit. So when Rhino takes his right foot and takes a step, the right side of your controller on the top right, it takes his... It looks like... It almost feels like someone just takes a step on the controller. And I'm like, oh my god. Like, yeah. I'm like, holy crap. And then Rhino moves his left foot, and then I, I felt it on the other side. I'm like... Wow, like in these cutscenes, it's immersing me, and like Miles is typing on the computer, and each key is being pressed. Freaked on me the, out on the touchpad. Freaked pad. me out. It just feels like, and you're hearing the sounds come out of the control too. So you don't have to be as wild and creative as Astro's Playroom, where it's a complete use of the controller. But these small little immersions that they do in Miles Morales invested me in the game more so than any other console or game has. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. more games will utilize this and immerse me into that experience. This is the new 3D movie. Yeah. But but, but better. But it's going to stay. But it's good. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and it's, it's good. Stay. Yeah. It's what, been it's been a great few days. So what far. other games have you guys been playing? Uh, I pl- I'm about an hour into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I love Assassin's Creed, so I'm excited just to dive into it. The the control is so different from Miles. And because I was so focused on getting the Miles Platinum, I'm like, okay, let me get this done <laughs> while this, this muscle memory is here. Because yeah. I know once I start Assassin's Creed, I'm going to lose it. I, mm-hmm. The same, same reaction. I, 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 I picked up Valhalla as well. And I was kind of switching between the games in the beginning. And I was like, okay, I really am not enjoying it this way. I got to finish Miles first. But man, Valhalla looks great. 60 frames. It looks really good on the PS5 as well. Pretty much the same way as uh, it does on the Series X. So I'm glad to see that so yeah once i finish miles i'll probably jump into that and then i'm gonna pick up uh sack boys big adventure as well because it's getting phenomenal reviews yeah it's it's what a launch we're, we're like spoiled of good games and then we're obviously demon souls is, yeah. is probably is the highest rated game that we haven't picked up yet yeah. but um just what a, an embarrassment of riches the of games there's right now to too play. many new games coming out launching with this console yeah and then there's also the upgrades that pre like we checked out ghost of Tsushima yeah. to see what it looks like it just looks god of war i, try, I put that on as well it looks phenomenal um i loaded up last of us part two and i'm like i can't wait to finish you again platinum you <laughs> what a like i'm just so we're like four days in but i think there's gonna be some amazing amazing things coming for this machine yeah. cool let's move on to some movie news uh david fincher says he signed a four-year exclusive deal with Netflix, and this is coming from Chris Barfield of The Playlist. While filmmaker David Fincher made a movie for 20th Century Fox in 2014, the thriller Gone Girl, it's easy to forget that by, the, by and large, the director's unofficial home for the majority of his projects since 2013 has been Netflix. He helped put the streaming network on the original programming map with the then-pioneering House of Cards, followed by Mindhunter, and the animated Love, Death, and Robots series with filmmaker and longtime collaborator Tim Miller. And now there's Mank. Speaking to the French magazine Premiere, David Fincher revealed something we'd heard about for months now. He signed an exclusive deal with Netflix. Yes, I have an exclusive, exclusivity deal with Netflix for another four years, revealed Fincher, and depending on Mank's reception, I'll either go see them sheepishly asking them what I can do to redeem myself or take the attitude of the arrogant asshole who will require making other films in black and white. He laughs. No, I'm here to deliver them content, whatever it means likely to bring them spectators in my small sphere of influence. God, I love David Fincher. I just love the way he talks. He just, he's, just, he's just one of those guys who are just like, I don't care. I'm, I am who I am. And... 
fuck you. I just want to make, <laughs> make good movies. You know? Yeah. You gotta like it or you don't. Well, I don't give a shit. But again, here we are, another exclusivity deal that we've been seeing. Everybody, like literally every all streaming services are are making their picks, as we always kinda say. And mm-hmm. again, it's 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 not surprising. Like this we're in a time right now where the theater experience is unsure and these directors want to be able to have complete creative control and these streaming services want big names attached to their content, right? Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't Netflix give him a blank check and be like, yeah, four years, whatever you make, it's coming to our service. Yeah. Right? Net, like, David Fincher has been working with Netflix since 2014. Or 2013. 2013. Yeah. He knows what he's getting into. Yep. So he knows that he'll probably have the most creative um, reach through this platform than he would from, you know, studios who really put pressure on you as a creator to get things done on time to to change the way the script looks or the way the the look of the movie is interpreted because studio execs don't like it yeah and i feel like netflix is just very open like whatever i feel like a conference with that with them would be yeah whatever you want to put out put out they'd be like david would be like hey guys i have an idea yes yes when do you want to do it i don't see them i don't see him having any challenges or any director who's ever done content with netflix have any challenges they seem pretty open yeah Yeah. i mean we we've seen like i know recently there was like the whole live action avatar uh like the last airbender show Mm -hmm. that the original creators left it because there were some issues there but again netflix is also uh, like i don't think netflix is afraid to make bad shows or movies they're definitely not afraid because they'll either cancel it after two seasons which is kind of a trend with a lot of stuff or they'll just keep pumping out stuff right you know that they'll find an audience somewhere because the the netflix subscriber base is so vast yep you're hitting you're gonna hit you're gonna hit somebody with this show like i look back at the beginning of this pandemic and they had that love is blind show for example Mm -hmm. i don't watch reality shows i don't care about them at all but i watched this thing and i was like this is so bad but i couldn't take my eyes off of it no pun intended yeah and it was just you know, like, I'm like, but there are people out there that will be loving this for some reason. Yeah. And that's fine. That That's their thing. And they love this show. And they'll, or they'll watch it. And Netflix, again, at the end of the day, just cares about the watch numbers. And, the, and I was one of those guys. Right? <laughs> Even if you watch it for two minutes, it yeah. counts. Netflix has 193 million subscribers. That's crazy. It's funny because this week, too, we saw that Disney Plus hit 75 million. 77, I think. Right? 77, which yeah. is crazy for one year. Don't forget about the 2 million. Don't forget about them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 2 million. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, again... Hopefully, within this four years, we'll get Mindhunter season three. Oh, that's I, all I want. I don't think so, but man, I hope so. Who else is left in the film world of the big names of the big names who haven't been picked up? Steven Spielberg, you know your boy. But Spielberg is with Apple making content. Oh, sorry, I think I think with Netflix. Sorry, my oh, bad. Okay. My bad. Who who's a director working right now? I I think Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan, Nolan. Yeah, he'll He's, never do it. I don't think he'll make streaming content. Scorsese. Um, That's what does he use? No, I'm no, saying oh, Scorsese sorry. is is yeah, picked yeah. already. Yeah. Um, Spielberg is is making content. Um, like I'm just Lucas trying to Lucas th- and Coppola maybe, but they're yeah. not really doing anything anymore. Right. Uh, Villeneuve. Oh, Villeneuve Denny- and uh, your boy Scott. Scott Ridley. Scott Ridley. Ridley. Scott no, but he but he <laughs> but he's doing that show that you watch that you watch. No. HBO Max. Well, yeah, he's producing it. Producing yeah. it. He's but that, that's exclusive. that's normal, though. I feel like we're talking about exclusivity direct directorial directing and creating. Yeah. Right. Because but he's. But I just like I'm just thinking like, is there anyone out there who isn't even attached to something? Because at least because even with uh, Scott, like he's still attached to that show, right? 
Yes, he is. He right. is, yeah, he yeah, is yeah. attached so, to to that. Uh, he's producing it. So then he, is and he Nolan, directed one episode of it. So is Nolan technically attached to Westworld because of his brother? I mean, it's his brother, though. <laughs> yeah, but like they were both in the same womb. At one point, you're At right. At one point. You're right. And the same room. Damn. Many times. I think uh, we should pull up top 10 directors. Yep. And see if any of them, like who they are. That's a good. That's a good. And if here. they've been picked. Tarantino. Oh, no. But no. See, Tarantino, he, he's too niche and he's he'll make mess. films but, every. But I mean, so is, look at Fincher, though. Mm-hmm. Fincher is, I would say Fincher is in that category. Yeah, Fincher's too, definitely right? like film school. But I keep hearing Quentin just not wanting to make films oh, but, anymore. Oh, but Quentin, oh, yeah. but Quentin had the. Yeah. Sorry, I'm pointing at you. Quentin released a four hour cut of. Um, Once Upon a Time. Once, a, Once Upon a Time and. Um, uh, oh, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. On Netflix. So yes. he worked with Netflix. Has he done it? I think it was in Europe it released. Oh, Europe. He released yeah, it as like, yeah. like a four-part series. So he technically kind of kind of did, but he hasn't made anything exclusive for Netflix. Jim Cameron? I feel like oh, he, Cameron, yeah. he will eventually. Cause Cameron doesn't work enough, that's why. Because he takes so long to make films, and I feel like studio, studios put a lot of pressure on him. And top 10 directors, a lot of white dudes. I mean, it's all white dudes, to be honest with you yeah. here. Uh, Peter Jackson. I don't. I don't he's think he's, he's he hasn't directed anything in a million years. Uh, Alejandro. No, Peter, Peter Inor- Jackson. Uh, oh, he's mostly been producing. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Alejandro Inoratu. Uh, yeah, but he's also like not big, big. He's big, but he, I, he's like, won. Hasn't he won like two he Academy has, Awards has, in has, the has. span of? But I feel like he's not like you. You don't say Alejandro Inoratu when you say Spielberg in the same sentence, right? People what about like, what? Uh, Alfonso? He, he made Roma, right? He did. He made Roma. That was an exclusive. But yes. do you think he would? I think because how good that film did, and he was even nominated for an, for an Oscar, he'd probably come back. What is, Clint Eastwood? What studios are? What are? What are? What are movie? Studios I think Wes Anderson do? would as well. I think he would. I'm surprised uh, the French Dispatch hasn't been like the, it Disney seems, didn't. It uh, seems like something that would end up on a streaming service. Yeah. So I can't wait for that movie. Yeah, next yeah. year. There's no date on it yet, though. I don't think. No, no. I no think date. they just took no date. date. But yeah, it's interesting when you when you look at the list now, and you see oh Timothy Burton. Oh, there's <laughs> not a lot Burton. left. Uh, Tim Burton. I don't know if Tim Burton's done anything. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. He does a lot of Disney films. Yeah, uh, maybe Disney Plus, but maybe he. Ha- maybe, but here's the thing: maybe they have things in the work. We just don't know about it. It's right? also true. Um, yeah, it's 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 funny when you're looking at the list and you're like, yeah, this is a. Uh, they're all involved in a streaming service one way or another. Roman Polanski. I was, gonna, I was wondering if you were going to say it. Roman Polanski. Doesn't no, know. that guy, you that know, guy Europe just... streaming. I don't know what's streaming in Europe. We don't, we don't Same ask. Same virus website you were using for, uh, oh, oh, for, for Top, top Gear. Yeah. <laughs> virus, <laughs> virus, virus, virus.com. Virus.com, yeah. Or that's virus in Russian, though. I don't know what uh, virus Virus. 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 Well, let's move on to uh, more news. Warner Brothers is eyeing Mads Mikkelsen for Fantastic Beasts 3 over Depp. And this is coming from Grant Ermans of ComingSoon.net. It's been a whirlwind of a week for Warner Brothers. Fantastic Beasts 3, as it was announced, the studio asked star Johnny Depp to resign from his role as villain Grindelwald. Grindelwald. And its release was pushed back to July of 2022 and it's now been revealed that the studio is in early negotiations with Mads Mikkelsen to take over the role 
Sources are reporting that David Yates, currently at work shooting the next installment in the Harry Potter uh, prequel franchise, came up with a list of potential actors to replace Depp and that Mickelson was his first choice. What do you guys think of Mads playing the villain? Mads Mads playing the bads, you know? Mads playing the bads. This guy only plays villains, and of course... But the best villains. But he also did a really good job as a non-villain in Rogue One. Right. But uh, he's you know still what I mean? Like, with, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. still a villain. But though, his huh? his family was come on, they're yeah. being held. But again, he can't uh, escape playing a characters that have something wrong with their eyes. Again, because oh, yeah, Grindelwald yeah. has like the the different color eye. Like yeah, every yeah, single yeah. role Mads does, it's like oh wait, what's wait up which one? Well, other than Casino Royale, uh, Doctor Strange, Death Stranding. Oh yeah, they're his all, eye was okay in Hannibal. His eye was okay in Hannibal, as far as we know. He eats his own eye in Hannibal. But there was always there was like it's like that running thing with him. There's like, yeah, he's like, running. Stop his messing eye. with Mad's eyes. Look, he's phenomenal. I love Mad's because I think his portrayal of um, in in Casino Royale is Le Chief. Le Chief was so good. He's my favorite part. He's he's such an iconic Bond villain oh, to me. I want to watch it. I know. So too is it because he has a villainous face? Like, yeah, he just has a villain and a voice. Face. And the way he his line delivery, he's like he says three words, and that's enough for you to be like, I'm pretty scared of you. Is he he's Swedish? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's really yeah. Swedish. He's yeah. I think poor guys are just. That's just he looks like a villain. You know, even when he's a good guy, he looks like. What a are the villain. bad guys in Mighty Ducks too? Uh, that was Iceland. That was Iceland. Iceland. Never mind. But I mean, you you could. I'd believe him on skates. Mm-hmm. Mads on skates. He was the bad guy. But is it is it propaganda that's made us believe that Swedish? people are villains i know what propaganda though i think you know like in the 80s and 90s they really were focused on the eastern europeans yeah eastern europeans northern europeans because eastern is more russian northern europeans being the the not evil but like villainous of the of the trope of villains all i know is that ikea's front is a front for a major crime organization. So yeah, I was just at IKEA the other day, and yeah. I had a great time. So yeah. don't. That, but that's, but that's what they the want. You they, to, that's what they they want. made me spend so yes, much in, money. Come and get our oh, one dollar. Come here, one dollar. Uh, I actually did buy the hot dog. And my <laughs> god, that hot dog is it's so, so good. You just could good. buy like eat like ten of them. I could. How are they a dollar? I don't know. I honestly don't know. We don't ask. In fairness, though, I, like the way I saw them making it, it I was like, yeah, it's definitely a dollar. That, there's there's a human in there. Yeah, the lady chopped off her own arm to make this hot dog. Yeah. But no, I love I love Sweden. If you if you're from Sweden, oh uh, no, like send nothing against Sweden. Oh yeah, no. okay. Or I mean, we Norway had on our show too. Or <laughs> Finland. Finland, 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 Finland. Okay. Or what else? What else is? I feel honestly like Ludwig. <laughs> if you're listening to the show, man, what's up? Uh, what's up? Well, we hope you're doing well. I hope you're excited for Spider Man. We were literally just talking about Spider Man the other day. Mm. Um, we we apologize. We hope Mads brings something to this. We franchise. hope that you get to shoot a movie with Mads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, going back to Fantastic Beasts, can this say Fantastic Beasts? No. no. But I think my interest has not peaked a little bit. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. I love Mads Mikkelsen. I'll watch this. But again, I, then I see David Yates still attached. Yeah. And then I see Fantastic Beasts still a Fantastic Beast. <laughs> I see the name Fantastic the name. Beasts. So if it was just Mads Mikkelsen on the screen, I'd go yeah. watch it any a, day. A Harry, like a, a Harry Potter spinoff, a Wizarding World spinoff with Mads Mikkelsen in some type of role that's not attached to anybody? Cool. If they, I know we've talked about this many times before. If they made like an Aurors TV show, but if yeah. they made one movie about Aurors and Mads Mikkelsen was, was the bad guy or, in it. Or but what if or, he was or, a good guy? But then you know? what's wrong with his eye? Yo, what if he's <laughs> Harry Potter at oh, all? Hold on a second. So you're saying he's Harry Potter as older? Man, what yeah. happened? 
happened to Daniel Radcliffe? Man? Damn. <laughs> nah, he's too, he went through a rough period. No, for we, a we're talking about fifty-year-old Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And like on 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 the booze. What? <laughs> what? He's partying with Ben Affleck yeah. in the Quiet Place Part Two. <laughs> the butter beer hits too strong. He, he wakes up, co- like coughing blood. Oh, oh god. my god. Something's wrong with his eye for sure. He's got a horcrux just hanging from his There's neck. always something on Harry Potter's forehead, right? A yeah. scar? This, yeah. yeah. So it yeah, just, like that's the whole thing. It just trickled down to his eye now. <laughs> He's got a scar over his eye. Right. Oh, there you go. The old fallen scar routine. All righty. Uh, look, here's the thing, man. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I love Matt Nicholson, and I think every role that he does, he does a phenomenal job in it. But then I see everything else about this, and I'm like, no. So let's see what happens. Let's see that first trailer. Let's see that second trailer, and then let's see the movie. Okay. Well, yeah. We'll watch. Man, it David that. Yates has made like seven Harry Potter movies now. Like, dude, you got to move on. Like, you I wish Warner on. Brothers would just be like, let's get some, get new, some new blood, blood in there. And I still think the best one isn't that a Harry by Potter Quaron. Yeah. Hmm? Isn't that a Harry Potter book? Which one? New Blood. Half Blood uh, Prince. Oh, Blood Half Blood Prince. Prince. Half Blood yeah. Prince. Yeah. Um. Moving on to some non-Swedish news, Scorpion King reboot in works from Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia's Seven Bucks Productions and Universal, straight out of Compton scribe Jonathan Ehrman penning script. And this is coming from Justin Kroll of Deadline. J. Kroll. J. Kroll. Uh, Universal Pictures and Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia's Seven Bucks Productions are looking to relaunch a new Scorpion King movie and have set Jonathan Ehrman to pen the script. Jonathan and Garcia will produce, along with Seven Bucks, Aram Garcia, with Johnson booked through 2022. The studio will look to tap a new actor to play the action hero, as well as a director to steer the ship. Insiders also add it's likely he won't appear in the movie, but given how important the property is to Johnson and the studio, there's always a possibility he can make an appearance when, his, when this film does finally get into production. Now, this news broke, uh, we'll say, mid, midway through the week. And we all, I, I, when, I, when I read it, I'm like, why do we need <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still there. King reboot without, without the wait, guy who, was, is the who king made it. Of Scorpions. It's first role, too. Yeah, first right? role. Um, what do you guys think of the Scorpion King reboot? And where can this story really lead us down? The first, okay, I love the Mummy series with Brandon Fraser. One Mummy, and two. One and two. Dwayne Johnson in that, well, at least the Scorpion King in that, <laughs> it looks like a PS2 villain, right? Like, it's, right. it does not look good. No. But. At the end of the film. At the end of the film. But it's still a, a really fun movie. Yes. The Scorpion King movie itself was not good. Oh, my God. Um. And, and then, then just, the 17 sequels that followed yeah, and prequels. With, and I think it's only wrestlers that they like casting. They this, like you know, wrestlers. it's like, yeah, the Scorpion King 17. Um, it's interesting. I, again, we, we were kind of talking about directors who haven't gone to a streaming service. And I was thinking of The Rock. I'm like, The Rock, the Rock isn't a, a director, obviously, but he brings in a lot of money to theaters. His first movie is only next year with Netflix. And it's crazy to think. I'm like, oh, man, like, this is only going to be his first movie next year that's going to be on a streaming service. Um, but I don't, again, like, I don't care about the Scorpion King enough to go see it in uh, another one. Right. This feels just so early. I, I don't get why. Like, who's this for? Right. Yeah. I you think know? that's the question. Who's this for? And I feel like, you know, when they sat down and they were like, well, who should we, like, what is our next production? And, you know, Dwayne's like, 
let's do Scorpion King. Without me in it. Without me in it. <laughs> yeah. Guarantee you, though, they said if they're not sure it's gonna, if he's going to be in it, he will have a very small role. A very small and role. And they're going to market the hell out of him being in he'll it. He'll be like an old like traveler that the Scorpion King bumps into, and, and he'll have like the, the you know a hood covering his head, and he'll be like, I did the Scorpion King. <laughs> <laughs> like, he like, takes it off. and But he's so giant that he stands out, and they're yeah. like, uh, who are you, old traveler? He's like, I once was the Scorpion King. Right. He doesn't sound like that, but in my head he does. But I'm looking at how many Scorpion Kings they've made so far. Okay, so they have, obviously, 2002. They had a video game also come out that year about the movie. Then they had Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior in 2008. Scorpion King 3, Battle for Redemption, which is obviously an awful name. <laughs> Battle for Redemption? For Redemption in 2012 then they had scorpion king the lost throne in 2015 and then the most recent one was the scorpion king book of souls in 2018 and that one had zach mcgowan play scorpion king who is zach mcgowan you ask i don't even know he's a film actor and voiceover artist yeah yeah but do we need scorpion king we don't we don't need <laughs> I think this that, i think we've We've uh, come to the conclusion that we don't need it. We don't it. need it. We didn't even need it the first time, to be honest with you. Like, when we no. had The Mummy Returns happen and The Scorpion King was dead there in the film, yeah. I didn't need to know about his past. No. 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 We I got, got enough we of got, that. We we got got only, of like, I get it because, you know, The Rock was... Big. Big. And let's give him a role to play. But that was a product of his time. Very yeah. much. And having... Unless... It's the Scorpion King, but it's completely different. Maybe he's like a secret agent. And they just... <laughs> Is it a modern day one? <laughs> it's a modern day. And Hold on a second. He goes by the Scorpion King. But that's We've got sign. enough like scorpions, like treasure hunting, sand dune, you know, mystery in the caverns of yeah the deserts. We you have enough make, of those films. You could only make Indiana Jones over so many yeah. times, right? Yeah. Uh. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Let's move on to some new dates. WandaVision is coming out January 15th, 2021. Bummer we have to wait for this one a bit longer. This was supposed to come out in December. Yes. And it's been pushed back due to the global pandemic. Uh, But it's not a long wait. No. You know, from its December release to, to January, we'll at least have something to watch in January, which is great. We have a lot of Marvel content next year. Yeah. We have literally have... We start the year with WandaVision, we'll have Eternals, we'll have Black Widow, we'll have a new Spider-Man movie, we'll have Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we'll have the Loki TV show, we're going to have um, the Marvel What If series. Like, there's like, that's like eight pieces of Marvel content, major stuff that's going to be happening next year. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice way to start off the year, but yeah, it just, it's, again, COVID sucks for a lot of reasons, and this is one of the, obviously, the things that it does, and it pushes things back. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to trailers. 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 I'm going to go through a list of trailers, and we're going to pick out the ones that stood out to us. And the first trailer that we're going to talk about is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Reunion Special 2021. We also got to see Let Them All Talk, Big Mouth Season 4, Super Intelligence, Hardy Boys, Happiest Season, and Mosul. Now, if I wish to tell you about a trailer on this list that I don't think you guys saw. It's for the trailer. It's for the movie called Super Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know what this movie's about? No. <clears throat> let me let me let me tell you. Yeah, tell about. me. I was angry because it, I literally thought again. I love movies. Of course, Shay we, loves. We, movies. Love yeah, movies. we love movies. But there's sometimes movies come around. and I'm just like, why? 
Don't like look it up. King. Don't look it up. Don't look up Michael what this movie is about. Super Intelligence is an HBO Max original film okay. starring Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy basically gets an AI. Like a, oh, yes. I watched this trailer. Yeah. And the AI is James Corden. Yes, I did see and, this trailer. Yes. And it's, he basically turns into Ultron where he's going to like blow up the world. Yeah. And now Melissa McCarthy is in it trying to stop him. Listen. And it just, it just, it's a bad trailer. It literally, it literally feels like an SNL skit. Even the music in it, it's like, hey, let's take every song that's ever been in a trailer before and put it in this one. I think I said I would watch this. You did. I did say. You did it. say that. But it was because. Wait, did we watch nothing the trailer else to for this watch? Before? No, Anthony sent it in the group. Oh, yeah, I did yeah. say that. And then I just said, totally forgot. And about then it. said, oh, I would watch this. And then I was like, okay. And immediately forgot about it. And then I clicked on it. <laughs> and then I said. Oh man, I don't want to comment on this trailer at all because this was the worst piece of shit I think I'd ever seen. And so and you're just basically calling me a piece of shit. You're surprised. And my opinion is piece of su- shit. Are you surprised though? Yes. You're surprised no, that I'm calling you I'm not. I'm no. not. Oh, but okay. like, I'm surprised that you just didn't call me Anthony. In person? Like, you should just say, Anthony, you're a piece of shit. Don't fucking say that. Yeah, but. And then, then I would have been like, oh, that's just <laughs> me because I've been in my house for like 30 years. Yeah. And I can't get <laughs> this out. This quarantine brain has just kind of got yeah. you. You're thinking super intelligence is the next. Man. For some reason, it looked funny, but. Then... But it's also directed again by her husband, as I knew it would be. Right. Belfan- ben Falcone. Yeah. Uh, who sounds like, sounds literally, like a Batman villain. He literally sounds like a Batman villain. <laughs> but, and like, it looks exactly like you'd imagine. But worse, and I think uh, Bob Carnavale is in it too, right? Yes, he, he plays the love interest. love interest. He's the love interest, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm gonna go and say I'm not the biggest James Corden fan. No, I, I don't hate him. Hate him. Oh, I don't hate him. But <laughs> I don't. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I don't find him funny at I all. I don't. I don't find him funny. And I know a lot of uh, people from the other side of the pond. They're like, how did he make it in America? That's you know. The other, and the, he's and he's famous in America. And I'm like, is it because he's your like he's British? Is that why you guys think he's like really interesting? I think it give when you're British and you come to this side, it on like gives you like a oh he's British he's gives you an extra layer. He I think gives you the super intelligence, right? You know, when anyone who has an accent, yeah. from England or Australia, they're automatically put to the top. Yeah, but I, but I also don't think uh, again like not to turn this on the James Corden thing, but like I just don't think he's funny, and I think he's made jokes before that I'm just like uh, like. Poor timing. Bad on, timing, yeah. You know, on stuff. And he also was in the Emoji movie, so I think immediately you're... Yeah. I just don't shit, think he's funny. I think if you were to get a, a British personality who does an amazing uh, talk show, it's, it's Graham Norton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Graham Norton. Graham Norton is phenomenal. Yeah. He's my... I think he's my favorite person to watch interviews of. 100%. I literally will go on a rabbit hole on YouTube just His watching. His interviews are just so fun to watch. So fun. So yeah. if, you're, if you're listening to this right now and you're a big fan of James Corden, we're sorry. But then, <laughs> yeah. second, go watch the Graham Norton show and yeah. and kind of give get. He has a bunch of his interviews up on Twitter and sorry, on on YouTube, sorry, yeah. and they're great to watch. Uh, another British comedian though that's in another trailer. It's Big Mouth season four. James Oliver is in yeah. it. Yeah, really, he sounds very, very funny. Too. I love Big Mouth and I great can't show. wait season four. Nick Kroll is just chef's kiss. You know, yeah. love Nick Kroll. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion was another good trailer we saw this yeah. week. This yeah. is another. This is another HBO Max original. So of polar opposite of Super Intelligence. Uh, this is uh, coming out next year. It's nice seeing the cast together. Obviously, we've spoken before how much we love Fresh Prince, and we know that there's going to be like a dramatic version of the show made. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, it'll be nice to see all the cast together, minus obviously uh, James Avery. But yeah. Cool. Cool. Let's move on to out this week. We have The Crown season four. 
as well as Lego Star Wars Holiday Special and Avengers Station, which we're going to be live, giving you live coverage of uh, of our... Is it live coverage? We're well, that? it will be <laughs> recorded well, live. It will be on our Instagram live. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> but then it will then be on YouTube. Yes. But it'll still say live because we'll put a banner. That yeah, says we'll make live. it like we're, we're like a news. Yeah. yeah. And he's winking at me. He's winked yeah, yeah. twice now on twice the show. Now. But yes, Most people just blink. Our coverage of Avengers Station. And someone will die. Oh, what? <laughs> no. Stay tuned. Stay next tuned. <laughs> Let's move on to what we're watching. We're going to work our way from the bottom up. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because every, every time Anthony hosts, he always starts like, he always says something different. Like, we're going to work from the top to the bottom. But it's you always me. I always go first. <laughs> but I was like, we're going to start from the very below. <laughs> we're going to start from the middle. But before the middle, we're going to start from the bottom. <laughs> we're going to start from the middle, but just below the middle. Oh, so me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this week, uh, um, uh, I watched The Matrix. Um, I watched it high. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I... I had never been so invested in a movie before in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, weed is legal in Canada, so get off my back. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, this movie—I was I, obviously I've seen The Matrix hundreds of times. The the DVD was scratched to death. Um, so now the digital version is running smoothly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I own in 4K. Um, but man, I was like, I was in this movie, so I absolutely loved it. Um, was catching up on some the weekenders obviously because we're we're, we're talking to Doug on this show and uh, I wanted to just kind of freshen up my knowledge on the movie and the show sorry and it's it's funny how much of it I retain like I was just quoting along with it I'm like oh my god I remember this stuff um, we got a chance to preview the Crown season four yeah um, so uh, before I did that I had to watch season one <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so I started watching season one, and I think I'm on episode seven right now, season one. I actually am really enjoying it. It's a great show. But it it's not something I can just kind of put on all the time. And this week, obviously, was a very busy week with, with Miles yeah. Morales and PS5. It's, it's a, on, the, on the excitement level, it's a very different. Yeah. Like, do you want a game where you're flying around New York City as Spider-Man? <laughs> or do you want to listen about British Royals? And it's also one of those shows that, even though I really like the one episode that I'm watching... I can't just hit play next episode right away because it, it was took so much time to watch that yeah. one episode. But no, I'm really enjoying it. Um, the show that I really, really enjoyed, and I know, Anthony, you watched it last week. Um, I, I, I've almost done this show. My girlfriend and I watched The Queen's Gambit. We put on episode one. And we're like, okay, let's just see what happens. Five episodes later, we're like, oh, my God, this show is amazing. It's like 1 a.m. at night. We both have work the next day, so we're like, okay, we got to go to sleep. So hopefully we're going to finish it tonight. But, man. It's really good. It's really, really good. It's really good. Her, her, that character just invests you into that. Something show. about Anya Taylor Joy in that yeah. show, I couldn't keep my eyes off it. I, I was so, I was loving everything she was doing. The, the visuals of her playing chess in the, in the, in the ceiling. Right. Everything about it was great. I, I really can't wait to finish it. I'm excited to start it. Yeah, yeah I've been I've been devoting this week to, like to the Crown season four. Nice. Um, yeah, I gotta watch. The yeah, you gotta Queen's watch Queen's Game. It's really good. Um. <clears throat> Astros Playroom, obviously, we talked about it in all my um, my games, but uh, let's let's talk about the Mandalorian this week. Yeah, did you watch it? No, I have not. Anthony okay. didn't watch it, uh, but you guys can like talk about it in the sense of no spoilers. Yeah, sure. We're I, I think at at the end of it, Shana, we're we're talking about it. Like things are moving forward. Like we're starting to get an over. We're starting to get a story. Yeah. To end, and I I really enjoyed that. And this um, it was a shorter episode. 
which I also appreciated this week was only 32 minutes or something Something like that, that, which I think works better in the show's favor because it's like, let's, it reminds me, this reminded me, especially because of the characters that are in it very much like an episode of rebels or clone wars. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, again, a lot of fun surprises in this episode, which we won't spoil, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah. For me, um, obviously I, I think Anthony and I have been pretty vocal about how we've just not been loving the show, Mm -hmm. but it's been, Mm -hmm. it's been good. I'd say on this one, Anthony, maybe you might find this the same way that it's definitely a lot better. And the reason why I found it a lot better this time was this felt like you took 30 minutes out of an actual Star Wars film, probably closer to Rogue One, and you took those 30 minutes and put it into a show. So it felt like I was actually now getting somewhere. Yeah. I hope the payoff is good. I hope we For do sure. actually get somewhere. Uh, this episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who in season one directed my least favorite episode. Yeah. So I was very interested that 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 occurred yeah um i think she did a phenomenal job in this episode and again the lighting the, i was gonna the say color, we're talking about the color palette yeah, it's color very rogue phenomenal one. Yeah. yeah and i think it was a lot of action but it also felt like we're getting somewhere yeah it was it was less of a let's go from this planet to this planet so i i really did like this episode and i'm excited now for the next episode coming out i just the the frog couple <laughs> just kills me man they're very so, so funny yeah um was that all for you that's all for me uh, for me this week, I started the week off watching Iron Man 3, so we are approaching the the Christmas season. I'm like, yeah, let me put on, I felt like a Marvel movie, and I haven't watched Iron Man 3 in a while, so I watched mm-hmm. that. It was nice going back to that. Uh, the Crown Season 4, literally have one episode left. Uh, this season, I think, is might be just my favorite season of the show mm-hmm. so far. Um, what we're seeing from, like, uh, we're seeing how uh, Princess Diana has been brought into the role, and just... Really just seeing her dynamics mixed with the queen, what she's going through. The queen isn't, like, I wouldn't say, like, she isn't, like, the main figure this season. Like, she's in it quite a bit, but there's so much other things happening this season that I'm like, oh, wow, this is really interesting to see what's going on with Diana and Philip and Charles and Princess Margaret. Like, and again, I don't, like... I don't really care about the royal family, like yeah. in real life, but like seeing how this is portrayed. But as Canadians, we we love. We them. do. God save the queen. God save the queen. Um, I don't think they actually have any power to like. Nah, not, really. not anymore. Just threaten no, you no, guys. No, no, no. no. But uh, they'll, they'll still deport me somehow. Yeah. I'm like I'm a citizen. No, you're going back no, no, to no. Pakistan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't born there though. Um, no, but like this 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 season is this season's really great, and it just makes me so excited to see where the last two seasons go, because again, the show does something so smart where it's like, yes, this is the time period that the show is taking place in, but we're not afraid to be like, Hey, you know what? There's been a, a giant time gap between mm-hmm. episode two and episode three. We're now three years after the princess Diana and things been married, you know, right. like it's, it's just interesting how they play with time in it and how they focus on major events that have happened in the world. So it's, it's, it's doing a great job. And I think Margaret Thatcher's performance and the actress who's playing, uh, Diana in this, they're just phenomenal. They're spot on. There's something that um, this the actress who plays Diana does that it just it freaks me out of how close she is to Diana, the real Lady Di, where she just like kind of like does this thing where she looks down and looks up, and like it's just like her acting is just phenomenal in it. So mm. um, I'm hoping that Elizabeth Debicki, when she takes on the mantle, when the baton is passed to her, that that continues. Um, Weekenders have been watching a lot of that this week, obviously, so we could kind of talk to Doug about it. Mando, we've spoken about. And yeah, again, playing a lot of PS5 games because, as we said a few months ago now, like, you know, that, that cinematic future of storytelling is going to be on a video game system, and it's called PS5. Mm-hmm. Anthony, take us home. So I started off the week by watching a series called 
Little Fires Everywhere. Um, starring Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon. It dives into, you know, the picture-perfect family uh, or American family. Oh, her husband, uh, Reese's husband in that, too, is Thing for Mighty Ducks. Which uh, we Joshua Jackson, yeah. Yeah, which we are talking about. Oh, um, yeah. I, so, yeah, it's this, the story is about, like, this, this perf- picture-perfect family that really has secrets lying beneath and Carrie Washington and her daughter kind of moved to this town and they're also pulled into this web of lies and deceits and it just and that's where the really the title comes from these little fires everywhere which are these little little lies everywhere that um that uh that are in this town and uh Reese Witherspoon does such a great job of being that rich white yep female and you just hate her and i don't like we me and daniel were talking about this because i know daniel watched it there's no real hero or person that really is the 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 hero of this right the show everyone has some some dark skeletons in their closet yeah for sure i would say carrie washington's character is more redeemable of all of them right um but yeah reese's reese has just her acting's great in this in this series because she just plays that 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 white mom that who just bitch. wants control yeah. of everything. Yeah. But yeah. then you also learn more about her past and like, yeah, you, you feel for her and you have empathy for her. But it's also just like, yeah, but look who you are now though. You yeah. know? Right. But it's yeah, it's, it's a good show. I think Shay, you would you would dig it. Yeah, you, you would dig, dig it. it. Okay, you would dig I'll, it. I'll dig I, it. I, I like I watched the first episode and boom. You You're dead. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> boom. House on fire. Oh, <laughs> little, little fires, fires everywhere. 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 <laughs> um. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. I continued to watch The Good Lord Bird, starring Ethan Hawke. Um. I put on season three of The Crown because I've watched the first two seasons, you know, years back. Um. I think I mentioned I I was the one who really told you about The Crown. Right? Yeah. I brought you into it. it. It was just one of those shows that I'm like I never. I've always seen it on Netflix. I'm like, oh, like, I know this is good, but I have to, I've only watched like one episode and then you were just, you kept saying like, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch yeah. it. And then I asked him like, Anthony, how good is season four? He's like, oh, I haven't finished season three. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn it, Anthony. So the reason why was the marketing behind season three and and four is so quiet compared yes. to season one and two when right. it was Claire everyone. Foy and everyone knew about it and she was like on top of her game and it was really promoted out there. I agree with you. While three and four just kind of... It was quieter. It was quieter. It was there. It just slipped under the radar in a way. But visually, it's probably the one of the best looking television shows yep. I've ever seen. Easily. Cinematic. Like, like just the the, the cine- cinematography for it is fantastic. Each episode literally has so far felt like it's a movie. Yeah. 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 So I watched the first episode of season three of The Crown, which I'm digging. Um, then... I put on Ammonite, which is a uh, a movie that hasn't come out yet. I don't believe it's out yet. Nope. We were able to obtain a screener for it, and it's starring um, Saoirse Ronan and uh, Kate, Kate Winslet. Winslet. And it's set. It's a period piece, and it's set in England. And Kate Winslet plays a paleontologist who kind of is pushed into watching over Saoirse Ronan's character, who is the wife of another scientist, I want to say, or another geologist, um, while he goes and does his his stuff. And they kind of start to bond and have a relationship, which sparks into love. And it's kind of like this, this uh, story of how mm-hmm. love can kind of like be pulled in at any point in time. And 
it's during a time where you know this type of relationship is frowned upon and not even it would be death right um the only thing i i did not it's not that i didn't like this movie it was well acted it's a period piece so you have to really like your period pieces Mm. you know english 1800s very slow but you know the relationship between the two are are very intense Mm -hmm. um but it's that slow build i don't think this movie would probably get any nominations maybe kate winslet for her yeah her performance as um no, for for leading because yeah. it's her story. Yeah, because Saoirse is just there. We saw like a lot of coverage of at TIFF. TIFF. This was one of big. This mm-hmm. was a big TIFF movie this year, um, and Kate Winslet was honored this year. And we were I remember we were talking about like, oh, this is the film that yes they're bringing for TIFF this year for her too. So this a little background on the story. These are real characters. Mary, I think her name is Mary Ann. Uh, she was a paleontologist and she was finding bones and she did have you know her her best friend with her, but. It was never written that they were actually lovers. Lovers. Mm. So the, there's no factual evidence stating that they did have a relationship, but there is no factual evidence. Like there is evidence that the character Win- Kate Winslet's character never had a husband. So you know when when you're t- teaching or re- filming this story or directing this story, you kind of want to have what if. Right. This actually happened because it could have happened because they were so close. Mm-hmm. If he, she didn't have a husband, who's saying she wasn't a lesbian? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was it was a slow build. I would, I would say, watch it if you can. So you would say um, watch it, okay? Watch it because yeah. I think the performances are great. Just be mindful that it might take know what you're getting a into. while to get into it. Speaking of getting into it, you've been doing something else this week. That has taken a, a lot of effort as well. Why are you? Why are you watching these movies? Right oh, now? so yes, Crave recently put up all the James Bond films, and I thought I've never watched any of the old, old, old ones. Let me start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I put on Doctor No for Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and I'm I just finished on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Mm-hmm. And yikes, (laughs) my gosh. So I'm going to give, if I were to review all these films, Dr. No and From Russia With Love, Goldfinger, those were probably the three best Bond films from that period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But after Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, not so great. Mm. I actually would say On Her Majesty's Secret Service was a little bit better than Thunderball and You Only Live Twice. But man... When I'm watching it, I'm like, what were they thinking? <laughs> like, as a viewer, like, I was just trying to picture myself as a moviegoer at that time, watching these sequences and watching this action. I'm like, man, thank God we live at, during this time yeah. for films. Because <laughs> the action sequences, the way they use uh, speed ramps to indicate, like, fast action punches yeah so bad it's very campy and very campy and again we talked about movies taking you know their product of their time this is definitely a product of their time um james bond as a character was so interesting because he's not what he is now he's much more of a womanizer he was such a woman he would walk into a room to say two words to this to this actress whoever she is and 
automatically they're already making love. Wow. Like instant. And he was more in he was more involved in the relationship than it not even the relationship in having sex than finishing this mission. mission. <laughs> he would be like if there was a scene where he was in a room with someone, he's like, "Why are we? Why are we not fucking? Why don't we make love instead?" Yeah. Oh, Sean Connery. Are you? Like, this I don't want to. Like, why can't? Like, no one said I don't want to. They're right. like, "Sure, James, take me." Yo. Oh. But yeah, dude, I, enjoy the rest of the men because I think I, I think you've watched like the best ones. Like, like, like I like Live and Let Die, but it's also like. Man, there's once you get into the seventies and eighties, there's just some man, it's just it's just rough. It's rough. Oh dude. See for me, Doctor No is, is my favorite from that old franchise. Yeah. Really. Like that's it's the so one that good. stands out to me. Because it's it's really good. It's so good. But then there is like, you know, we have we we dive into Spectre, which I now understand what Spectre is. Because I always wondered what the hell is Spectre. I really didn't dive mm. into where it came from. Um and then we talk about the you know, the main supervillain of Spectre, which is uh uh, what's his name? Bond. Blofeld. Blofeld. And he's played by so many different actors, and he looks so different in, in every single version of him. Which you know, the Thunderball Blofeld, it looks completely different than the Majesty's Blofeld, and right. and Thunderball Blofeld. It's just it. The continuity wasn't there, and it was like, and they were making films like back to back to back every year. There was a Bond film, but it was making so much money. Yeah, and that's like the. Thing, the right? The revenue that they were getting from it was like with inflation, it's in the nine hundred million to a billion dollars. Crazy at the time. That's no wonder they were making all these films. Bond films just do really well worldwide, right? Yeah. Um I can't wait to get to like Pierce and <laughs> yeah. and uh Daniel Craig. And I f- finally get to that point where like, oh, I can actually enjoy this. Um Yeah. I can't really say like it kind of tainted my bond vision yeah you know what what these movies represented and i just don't like them i'm curious to see where it goes though from here to see which ones kind of stand out to you more because i remember when like shane and i back when specter was coming out Mm -hmm. we were just like yeah let's start watching them back to back to back and then when you do that you're just like dude there's oh it's rough thunderball i there's sequences where they're just underwater and they had like this whole fight sequence underwater which is I mm. guess at that time it's fantastic, but yeah. man, mm. I fucking hate the water. Yeah, it's, it's like it so forty weird. minutes yeah. of the water. Yeah. yeah, why do we have to show them swimming like for forty <laughs> minutes? Like weird edits like that yeah. where they just like you. Who was cutting this? Who why? was making the pace on this? This is awful. Um, and one thing that I was surprised about was the last film that I watched, which is Her Majesty. Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, he marries. He gets married. Yeah, and he marries. And he act, there was actually like a really good ending because, um, spoiler, his wife dies. Mm-hmm. And it's like this impact of, wow, okay, he, there, there's, there's acting now happening in this. There's some drama. And this was the closest representation to the books than all the other Bonds, other than Dr. No and maybe From Russia With Love. They right. found like this, this was the closest rep- representation to the books, Ian Fleming's books. But I was surprised that she died. Interesting. But it was so stupid the way she died, though. How did she die? Because Blofeld was in a car and he had a fucking neck brace on. He's driving. Well, he's psychic. He's like... And she dies. But it looked so gimmicky. Yeah, it just looked like, oh, that's it? The actual way she was killed was so gimmicky and so campy. But her dying was such... Like, so impactful. 
Right. But then the next the next movie, it's like which I've been happened. starting watching, it's like, oh yeah, she died, and they don't even mention her. No, they don't even mention they don't mention that he was married to her, that he you know lost a wife. It was like, oh, Sean Connery's back in this one. Yeah, let's sex him up. <laughs> okay. Um, I've also watched The Weekenders, which was great because uh, that segues us to our topic of the show, our interview with Doug Langdale. I'm living for the weekend. I'm living for the weekend. Welcome back to the movie podcast. We are super excited to introduce our special guest on the show this week. He's a writer, he's a producer, he's a comedian, and he's the creator of one of the best Disney animated shows ever, The Weekenders. Please welcome to the movie podcast, Doug Langdale. Hi, Doug. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, we're, we're super happy to have you. So again, thank you so much. And it means the world to us that you're able to take the time and talk to us about this amazing show and also about you. Cool. Thank you. Doug, let's start off with um, how, how have you been doing these past uh, couple of months? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, the weird thing is like, if you had told me a few years ago that there was going to be a worldwide pandemic and that maybe the most protected industry would be animation. I would not have believed you. Um, but it's weird. I mean, like, we're, uh, we're, my wife and I are, I think, working more than we ever have. Um, there's just, I, I mean, because the whole process can be done by people at home on their computers being sad and lonely. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Th- like, it has been, it's been, I mean, like, I mean, I, there's a show that I, okay. There's a show I did some work on that I actually can't talk about, but I can say that they started casting at the beginning of the quarantine and they did, you know, the typical thing where like you go for a bunch of big names, assuming that most of them will say no. And they have gone wildly over budget on the voiceovers on that show because everybody said yes. Like virtually every person they went to. So they have this all-star cast, but they're like, yikes. (laughs) Like we we were not planning for this, but everyone's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything else. Sure. You know, you'll like, yeah, you'll mail me the equipment and I just do it at home. Okay. That's awesome. No, I was going to say like, you, like you must imagine, like, even like with us, we're like, we typically record together, but we're like, yeah, let's, let's try to get some guests on the show and you're able to join us. So like, again, like it just, it's interesting how, you know, this kind of big misfortune turns has some benefits as well. Yeah. But, you know, aside from the, from the fact that it's been, I, I mean, we're just so fortunate to be able to continue to work and to not have direct contact with people. Um, you know, apart from that, uh, it's a freaking nightmare. I mean, are you kidding me? It's it feels like the end of the world. That's how it's been for the last few months. <laughs> I mean, we literally like yeah. we, we go most days. We go out and drive around and don't get out of the car. We ju- it's like we're in a giant hamster ball, just trying to experience the world a little bit, just to feel like it's not crazy. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like I just, I, I take so much more walks now, and I'm just like, yeah. things just feel very differently now, right? Yeah. Um, I know, I know we, we were, we were going to focus on The Weekenders, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to ask you, you know, you've worked on a lot of iconic franchises throughout your career, like, uh, I was seeing on your, like, IMDb, like, you were 
working on like Darkwing Duck mm-hmm. and Aladdin and Buzz Lightyear and Scooby Doo. I mean, can you can you tell us about your career in animation and how you got started? Um, I actually started on Darkwing. Um, I was working as a as a waiter, and uh, I was in an improv group with a guy who was an animation writer, and he was and I had I had written a bunch of plays, um, but never never anything I got paid for. Uh, and he was like, do you want to give this a try? And I was like, I'm waiting tables. Uh, yeah, I want to give it a try. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I met with, uh, Tad stones in like December of 1989. If you can believe that, uh, very end, barely tail end of the eighties, uh, to talk about, uh, Darkwing and, was like at work waiting tables. And I had been reading a, a lot of, uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes stories. And I was like, Oh, we should do something with, uh, like a Moriarty like character, like maybe Moliarty. Um, and went in and pitched that to them and they took it. It was like the first thing that crossed my mind. And it wound up being, I think Tad actually wrote that script. I think it was the first, I think it was the first episode made, although not the first episode aired. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I, I pitched a few more things and then finally they had like a, a story idea lying around that no one was doing anything with. And they were like, why don't you write this thing? And so I wrote one script freelance and then got hired because they were in this massive hiring frenzy. Um, and then wrote two more crappy scripts and then sort of started to figure it out after that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I just, awesome. And then you just kind of snowballed yeah, no, from I, there. I mean, I, I worked on that for, I don't know, like maybe a year, a year and a half or something. And then they asked me to be a story editor. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And they were like, here's some more money. And I was like, all right. So I started story <laughs> editing. And then I, at some point I asked for more money there and they were like, no. And I was like, okay, see ya. And left Disney for a while and then came back and, you know, was back and forth there for a while. But, uh, but, but yeah, I started off on Darkwing and then did uh, Aladdin directly after that. and then. Quack Pack, I think. Um, and those were good times. So long ago now. Crazy long ago. And I, like, I, work, <laughs> I work for people now who were like too young for shows that I started out on. Like, it was weird enough when I started working for people who grew up watching my cartoons. But like, now mm-hmm. I'm working with people right. who weren't even born yet when those cartoons were made. Oh gosh! Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's alarming. I think the Darkwing Duck, uh, the Darkwing Duck theme song is probably second best to the Weekenders yeah. one, and it's just amazing theme songs that you get yeah, that you've worked on basically. With Thank them. you. Yeah, no, I, the Darkwing is permanently stuck in my head. As is Weekenders. Actually, that was I was just <laughs> talking about the, the the other day. We had the we had the music for that one, and we kept writing different lyrics for it, and nobody ever liked anything. <laughs> and I was like. I used to do improv with Wayne Brady. Let me like just give him a call and see if he wants oh, to do wow. this. And and he was like, "Hey, how do you get my number?" <laughs> and I was like, "It's me, <laughs> improv," because he had become famous in the interim. And right. uh, and he was like, "I was like, you want to do that? Like, you just write something and come in and record it. It'd be like a day's work, and then you get residuals." And he was like, "All right." So uh, he did it, and everybody loved it. But uh, we, we struggled. We had the music for the longest time, but just no lyrics. 
Uh, and Wayne really came in and knocked it out of the park. I mean, I think he recorded it in maybe two takes. Um, and I, I, I walked past oh, wow. and like wow. going into the studio. I walked past him sitting in his car and I was like, he is writing the lyrics on a napkin. <laughs> he was literally <laughs> in his car before the record, writing down the lyrics and went in and did it. And it was great. And it didn't, didn't really surprise me. I mean, I used to like do song improv with the guy and he, he could just, you know, I mean, he could improvise a good song. So give him, give him an extra five right. minutes and he'll get something extra solid. So yeah, yeah oh, for sure. Um, I mean, that's a surprise to Wayne Brady. I mean, he killed yeah. it on whose line. So, yeah, no one's surprised there. And you, know, you talked about how you've worked on these shows and you're working with people now that are so, so young. And, and it's crazy to think that The Weekenders is a show that turned 20 years yeah. old this year. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nuts. So, as a field of creation that was, you know, has been touched by so many generations and you have such a loyal fan base, like people love quoting the show. I don't know. It's weird because like, I don't have any contact with any of these people. <laughs> so like I heard like at some point there, Oh, there's like a fan group for that show. And I was like, really? Like, I have no idea. Um, be- because this thing, usually you like, you make a show and it's out there and people like watch it for a while. And then everybody forgets about mm. it for like 10 or 15 years. And then the people who watched it get old enough that they're nostalgic for it and start talking about it again. And it's always a surprise. Like the first time I heard someone mention Darkwing Duck, like in this century, I was like, what? <laughs> I thought that was like 15, 20 years ago. I thought we'd all forgotten about right. that. But there's always this you know, like core group of people who it was like, it was meaningful for them when they were young and they still remember the shows. Yeah. Dark, Darkwing is hitting about almost 30 years next year, which is even crazier. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, we started making it more than 30 years ago. Even yeah. true, wow. yeah. I mean, I mean, people are always quoting, like, I know that around some of my friend circles, I've, I've heard people actually say to me later days as they're just kind of, yeah. you know, <laughs> leaving this conversation. And I'm like, huh, so, and then you, you build from there, you go, okay, so you watch The weekend. It's like, of course I did. Were you stupid? And then you, you find this love for the show. So, you know, we have to thank you for creating all of that. Well, that, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that people liked it and were able to connect with it i just i <laughs> was just writing like my life basically i mean i just was writing stuff that <laughs> happened to me um when i when i pitched the show originally i had i had developed i had like three pretty well developed pitches and went through all the pitches and they were like what else have you got and i i literally i had a piece of paper that said kids on the weekend on it and nothing else. <laughs> and I was like, eh, I, don't know. I was thinking about maybe doing something like we just see the kids on the weekend. Like you don't have to watch them in school. It's like everything, but school it's the, it's the fun part of the week. And they were like, well, tell us more about it. And I was like, there's nothing to, I don't have a show to tell you about, but like, here's some of the stupid stuff I did when I was a kid <laughs> and started talking about that. And they were like, great, let's make the show. And I was like, again, I, there's no show. I don't have a, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just talking to you. (laughs) Yeah. And they literally like, they send me a contract for the weekenders. And I'm like, what the hell is the weekenders? Like to this day, nobody knows who titled the show. What? Wow. Someone, (laughs) someone's assistant or something was like, Oh, it's about the, I don't know, weekenders. And it went on some document and then no, no one else could think of anything else to call it. That's amazing. Uh, 
and Eisner hated that title. Oh, he was like, when, they, really, when they picked eh? up the show, he was like, the only thing is you got to change that title. It sounds like a romantic comedy from the 60s. And we were like, we will absolutely change that, Michael. <laughs> Once you're done with Euro Disneyland, we'll change that up for you. <laughs> but we just could never think of anything. That's, That's amazing. It's crazy, though, because like, I, I just think back in like... Um, back in the time of like Saturday morning cartoons and like that one Saturday morning, like watching that. And it was like, you're watching like the weekenders, you're watching like recess. Like I think we were, that era was such a, a magical time for, for kids television shows because like watching the weekenders that felt like, like, like we all kind of saw our lives in that show, you know, like yeah. there was, there was such a relatability to it. Um, and, and it's crazy to think that it was something that you didn't even, kind of go in with a not even a fully formed pitch a pitch at all really yeah there was no plan <laughs> but i mean i think it worked out though um <laughs> I, I think it did i don't know i guess it did i, uh, I just like i had i'd had a meeting before that and i was like what do you guys want like obviously not another kind of 11 minute kids sitcom and they were like yeah no we want another 11 minute animated kids sitcom and i was like <laughs> okay I mean, I know we're waiting for it to to come to Disney Plus. I know earlier this year they said it was eventually coming, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be great when it's finally on there to just make it so much more accessible to watch yeah. for everybody and they have a, a whole new generation to kind of discover it. Um, yeah, something I, I also wanted to ask you about the show, like there's a lot of fourth wall breaking with it. Like, did you kind of pull that from any? Because I, like I immediately kind of think of like like the Ferris Bueller or Saved by the Bell type, like talking directly yeah. to the audience. But what, where were you kind of going with that, with Tino kind of talking directly to us? It's funny because I remember <clears throat> like the year that the show, either the year it came out or the year that we were working on it, there were a few primetime live action shows that featured direct address. And actually, I can't remember what shows, but there were a few like, like high profile shows where the characters talk to the camera and they started, those shows started coming out like before our show. And I was like, Oh no, it's going to look like we ripped off these shows because <laughs> like suddenly everyone was doing it just that year. Um, but I, I honestly, I think the reason that we did it was they, they wanted the show to be educational qualifying. So we had to have like some sort of a pro social message in every episode. And at some point I was like, I don't know, it just seems like the easiest way to do that is to literally have like a moral at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. um, and the, <clears throat> I mean, it, more than anything else, it was laziness. It was like the easiest thing to do <laughs> is to have the main character at the end of the show go, hey, I guess we learned not to bada bada baba. And it was like, okay, let's just do that. Like we can make it funny and it'll be like kind of neat. He'll talk to the camera. We'll do, I, we didn't know at the beginning what we were going to do, but we eventually decided we knew there'd be some some visual thing that would uh, let you know that he was breaking the fourth wall, and we did the thing where the the background would go almost to black and white, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think it was it was basically laziness on our part. <laughs> it sounds. Uh, I mean, it works. It works though. Yeah. It, the point got it got made across. Yeah. Now I kind of want to ask you about Tino's mom, who is mm -hmm. the voice of reason. Um, mm -hmm. is that inspiration from your own life or is that just something that you've seen moms normally do in their, their time as being a mom? Yeah. I mean, she was sort of based on my mom in that 
uh, I'm, you know, my parents were divorced and I lived with my mom. And so, you know, you wind up sometimes having this almost buddies like relationship, like, uh, which is not, I mean, in retrospect, it's not necessarily healthy, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, we sort of played it that way on the show where they, they, she, she treated him a little bit more like a peer, um, than, than most parents do. And they had a little bit more of a, a, you know, they were pretty direct with each other. Um, but again, I mean, a lot of what she did on the show was she would come in and like nudge him in, in the direction of whatever hopefully reasonable decision he was going to be made be making before the end of the show and I, again i feel like it might have just been laziness it was like eh it's, it seems hard to have him figure it out why doesn't he just go ask someone and they tell him <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know but, you, you know, know go ahead sorry uh, i was just going to say there there were there were a couple of episodes where she was wildly wrong with her advice and i always sort of preferred those ones um where she wasn't quite as wise <laughs> Yeah, well, like the first episode when I I recently rewatched it, and the first episode was yeah, my parents are divorced, and it really hit me. It's like man, I I didn't really pick up on that when I watched it when I was fourteen, fifteen, and it really like stuck out that these, even though there was no father figure in the household, they were like partners. They were they had to overcome that struggle of not having a father who was always there in yeah. their their area. So that was. That was pretty eye-opening as an adult to see it that I didn't notice as a kid. Yeah. No, I mean, when I was a kid, the, the majority of my friends' parents were divorced. Um, but most of them had remarried. So it was, it was, you know, not as many were living in a single-parent house like I was. Um, and uh, I th I, the other thing that, I, I th if I remember correctly, we did on the show is that yeah, you did, I think you didn't see his father until the very end of the series. Um, and I, I was, you know, living on the, uh, we moved to, my parents got divorced in Massachusetts where I, I lived when I was a kid. And then we moved to San Diego. So my dad was all the way on the other side of the country. So I didn't get to see him very often. Um, so we did that on the show. And then at some point the mom had a boyfriend. So that was, you know, based on my childhood experiences. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, I don't know. It's like when I was a kid, it was not unusual to have a single parent household, but you didn't see it as much in TV. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a new thing to see it, but uh, I did want to depict different kinds of households on the show. And and I and I think you guys did such a great job of it. And I, and I think of like seeing Tino's background and Carver's background and Laura and Tish, like there was such like a, like a, a diverse background for all of them. Mm -hmm. And and I really dug, I, I love that because it felt like everybody, each one of them felt unique. Um, speaking to like the other ones, how, like, how did you, how did you and your, your writing team like kind of come to these four characters who are going to like, these are going to be our four stars of the show. How, how, how did they come about? It was kind of a, a complicated process in that, like, like at one point, Carver was supposed to be Egyptian. And I think I was doing a, if I remember correctly, I was doing a sketch show with a friend of mine who's in the Groundlings. And I met Phil Lamar at, like, backstage there. Um, and... Uh, I was like, oh yeah, he's really funny. He's on that Mad TV show. Maybe we should, 
read him for Carver. And then we liked him for that character. So we were like, well, let's make the character black. Um, and the Tish character was originally more of just a weirdo. Um, and the, the first version of the show, we didn't actually make a pilot, but we, we had a script and we recorded it. Um, just so we could like listen to how they sounded together. And it just, her character was basically just crazy and it did not work at all. And then at some point I was talking to our executive on the show, Joanne Rabose, who was this very, like she, she'd gone to Yale, uh, where Phil went also. Um, so she was very, you know, she was very, very educated, very smart. And like, it kind of like, she seemed like she had probably been a real know-it-all in school. And I was like, I forget, maybe Joanne is the character. <laughs> like, just make her this smart girl who likes being smart and is a little bit, like, a little bit smug about it, but also a little bit, like, just doesn't understand why other people aren't interested in things that she's in and that in, into. And, and the, the character kind of just came together from there. Um, and I mean, my biggest regret on the show really is that none of the characters are Latin, which just seems like such a missed opportunity because the show, I mean, we didn't call it San Diego, but the show was set in San Diego. It was called Bahia Bay, which is just Bay in Spanish and English. I mean, like, I don't know what we were thinking. Like we definitely should have had one of the characters be Latin. (laughs) Half the kids I went to school with were Latin. A third of the people I was working with, I don't know why we didn't do it, but instead we decided to like make up this weird nationality for Tish's family and did that. <laughs> when, and one of our actors, the actress who played Laura is Latin. Like We had all these opportunities to see it in front of us. <laughs> it was all there. <laughs> and then like a few years later, I did El Tigre. I did a Latin-themed show, and I was like, man, do I feel really stupid right now? <laughs> Now, something we always noticed in the show was how Tino, Carver, Lore, and Tish always change clothes. Yeah. Uh, usually in animated shows, characters stick to one outfit. What was the reason behind this? You know, it's just when we decided to do the thing where we actually put the day up on screen and we would say like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it suddenly just felt weird for them to be in the same clothes again. There was something about like literally seeing the day and following them, like knowing what day it was, not just like for sure. oh, it's evening and then later it's day, like so you know a day has passed. But literally saying what day it is, it just felt strange. Um, mm-hmm. So we were like, oh well, we'll come up with three outfits for everyone, and then it was like, well, that feels weird too. Like, let's come up with like whatever five pairs of pants and five shirts, and we can mix and match, and we'll figure that out. Um, and then it turned out to be. I mean, basically, we find out we found out why people don't usually do that because it's kind of a hassle for continuity. <laughs> like, you just ha- you have to remember which outfit, and you have to sort of like plan for it. And so, you know, sometimes, occasionally, you would want to use just a shot from another episode, and you'd be like, "Damn it, he's wearing a different shirt. We can't do that." Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just out of necessity. It just felt so strange to have them in the same clothes all the time. It was pretty cool that you gave Carver the the um, kind of like the insight of a shoe designer, uh-huh. especially at that time when shoes like, you know, they were still they'll still 
becoming more and more popular. But nowadays, like everyone wants to create custom yeah. sneakers, and it was just pretty, pretty proactive. Not proactive, but like just thinking about the future of like this kid's ideas could lead into making shoes, which is now yeah. the trend. No, I know. I, th- I think the, uh, um, you know, my impulse was always to not have them be interested in whatever the most sort of mainstream thing was and not have them, you know, just to have everything that they, everything that they would do on the show, we would sort of think about like, okay, there's the obvious choice. Like what are some other things they could do? And sometimes you pick the obvious choice because everything can't be weird and quirky. It would just be, you would, you would, you would lose the thread of what was going on, but it was just like, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, rather than have someone be interested in sports or comic books or television or something, like, what about shoe design? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a little different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, were there any, like, just out of curiosity, like, at that time, like, as, as we were kind of talking about earlier, there was a lot of great animated shows. At the, Were there any shows that you were looking at at the time? We were like, wow, like, that, that was inspiring to you or shows that you were looking at and being like, oh, like we have to, we have to be better than this. Was there any like, like were were you competitive well, that I mean, way um, at the, that time? Uh, the the initial impetus from the show was just from they were doing recess, and I was like, okay, recess is a time period. What are some others? Lunch, the weekend, <laughs> like literally, just sitting there going through like, <laughs> what are the chunks of time that your week is broken up into? So. To some extent, it was inspired by Recess, and I had seen, you know, Recess and Pepper Ann and and whatever else, and um, you know, I had a general idea that we were going to be in that realm. Um, we weren't going to go like way cartoonier or way less cartoony. It was going to be, you know, sort of an animated sitcom with a little bit of a little bit of a leaning into cartooniness. Um, for but sure. I mean, what one of the main things that I thought about working on the show was peanuts, just the old peanut specials, mm. um, and the and the strip. Yeah, more the really? strip than the than the the TV specials, because the strip had this thing. I mean, the, I don't know how old the characters were supposed to be, like eight or ten or something, but they always talked to each other like adults, not necessarily about adult stuff, but right. like their vocabularies were not childish at all, and they would have these serious like philosophical conversations. And I was like, I want it to be more like that. And, and originally, and in fact, we were going to have no adults on the show. It was going to be just the kids. And whenever there was an adult, like you would just miss them leaving the room or just like not quite hear them. Uh, and then it, it just sort of seemed right. like it was going to, it was going to feel gimmicky if we did that. So we decided not to. Got you. Um, and then there was a point where I think I had been watching home movies which was, uh, it was the, the what's his name, the Bob's Bob's Burgers guy. Um, it was a, a series that he did after uh, uh, Doctor Katz. Um, and oh man, uh, breaking on uh, his uh, name Lauren, right now. Lauren Bouchard. Yeah. Oh, did it uh, with Lauren Bouchard. A, a yeah. couple other people whose names I'm not going to remember, but but John Benjamin was one of the people on the show, and um. And one of the things about that show was that the the kids pretty much had adult voices. I think maybe they pitched them up a little bit or something, but they didn't sound like kids. Um, And there was a point early on where uh, 
I was like, I, w- I don't want them to, I don't want them to sound young. I want them to just sound like adults talking. And we tried doing it in it. It sounded weird, but we did wind up with, I mean, they sound, it's not kids doing the voices. They're not doing particularly high voices. They sound a little bit more like 12 year olds actually sound, which is kind of almost like adults. Um, and that was, that was in part influenced by home movies. That's awesome. Yeah, and like you said, you had you had a crazy yeah. cast on the show too. Like, I just yeah. think like Jason Marsden and you know Phil Lamar, obviously. Like, like you had such great yeah. voice actors on that yeah, show. Yeah, I think that might that might have been uh, Greg Griffin's first lead on a show. Um, she was fairly new at that time, but she was great, and Cass Susie was great, and we had we had a lot of great supporting actors. Jeff Bennett did a gazillion background characters. Um, Sandra Sing Low, who uh, she had. She was a. She did like one woman shows in L.A. and had a, a radio show on uh, public radio. Uh, she did a character on the show. We had some interesting background people. Uh, no, you, I, you definitely did, and I think what stands out a lot, especially when you talk about background people and characters, yet they had a lot of great running gags in the show. And and, and I got to ask, who was the owner? Behind the pizza. Well, place. the voice was Jeff Bennett, um, and the the pizza place actually originally I wanted them to hang out in a in a, a tea shop because um, when I was in high school, there was a place called I think Sydney's Coffee House that uh, they had coffee, but mostly it was a tea place, and we would hang out there. Um, and the execs at Disney felt like a like tea was just not relatable. It was going to be too weird. Um, and I was like, fine, we'll do pizza. Let's like, it was one of those instances where it's like, yeah, let's, let's actually go for the mainstream choice here. Like again, not everything has to be weird. We'll make it a pizza place. It was a, it was a really safe choice. Um, and then I think the first episode we had some theme for the pizza restaurant. And, and then I kept thinking of other themes and I was like, I can't decide. Maybe the guy who owns the place can't decide either. He just like keeps like he's constantly like this is going. This is the one. This is the thing that's going to make me a success. Constantly. How in debt was this place? This pizza must have cost hundreds of dollars. Maybe referenced it a couple of times. Some of the some of the 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 remodels of that restaurant must have been incredibly expensive. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Did you have any uh, favorite ones yourself? I don't. I actually don't remember. I, I haven't. I haven't seen the show in so long. Uh, I I feel like there was one episode where the 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 pizza guy was depressed and had had just come up with something very lame and half assed. And I th- <laughs> I feel like that was my favorite. It isn't more because he was always enthusiastic, and there was one where he was just like, whatever. It just wasn't working yeah, out for uh. him. <laughs> um, but it was funny. Are there any themes you? No, go ahead, sir. Oh, I was just going to say, every single one of those names we had to run through legal to make sure there wasn't actually a place by that name. And there were there were a lot of pizza place names oh, wow. that got shot down. <laughs> because it was like, really? Someone someone has a place called, whatever, Kangaroo Pizza? Or like, that's, that's an actual thing. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Where do you think the weaker weekenders are now? Like, would you ever consider doing a, a, a reboot or a sequel series? Maybe where they're... They're adults or 
a lot, little bit older. I had, but I mean, they did that with uh, Rugrats, obviously. Um, I had not ever thought about it. Um, I mean, I figured Tino is basically me now, so he must be writing cartoons. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I suppose if someone were interested in that, I would I would do it. It would be interesting to to figure out where they've wound up. Uh, I'm sure they're all tremendous successes at whatever they set out to do. <laughs> do you think, um, like how much, how much, like, I know we were talking about your inspirations and everything. And, and obviously you, you have your, your background and your come up was in comedy and in improvisation. Like how much of that factors into your work and what you're working on now and every, and like all your projects. Well, I mean, I think, um, for some reason, there are a lot of people writing animation who came to it from improv. And I think it might be because you do not have very much time to write a script. Like, in, in sitcoms, there are more stand-up comics. And uh, in animation, it seems to be more improv people. Um, but it's definitely, you know, I mean, when you know, I don't often get to do a show where we really write it as a room. But it's definitely, you know, having an improv background is handy in that because you really do have to think on your feet. Um, but I mean, the one one thing, like, do, certainly doing improv uh, makes it easier to come up with a lot of options for scenes because you can just riff on an idea and come up with a bunch of stuff. Um, I think the thing that because uh, uh, I, I did stand up in the eighties. And then not for like 30 years or something like that and came back to it later. Um, and I, I found, I, I felt like it changed my writing a little bit. I was a little bit more willing to let a joke go on a little bit longer um, after getting back into stand up. Like a little bit more willing to, to not have everything be a one liner, to let the, like, right. let the, let the characters' emotions play out a little bit longer. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't know that that really connects directly to to stand up, but that was just something that I noticed. That's interesting. But I mean, it's all part of your your process, and it's interesting. I think when you see, like, I again, we're talking about the Weekenders and the shows from twenty yeah. years ago now. Which it just like makes me feel so strange <laughs> inside. But it's interesting to see how you kind of evolve as your work goes on, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I've gotten to work on a lot of really different kinds of shows and, and movies and stuff. And it's been, it's been really interesting. I mean, I did a, I, I did a lot of more wacky cartoony comedy at the beginning. And then weekenders was like, people were surprised when they saw it because I was known for doing these more sort of crazy cartoony shows. So that was a bit of a departure. And then after Weekenders, right. I wound up doing like action uh, comedy kind of shows. Right. Like Dave the Barbarian yeah. is another one I think of, which was another one with a amazing yeah. theme song, <laughs> by the way. But it's like, it's just such a crazy show, yeah. which is like so zany. It's just like the things that happened in that show is just crazy. But again, at the heart, there's such a great story throughout that show. Yeah, that was, uh, that was another fun one. And and a fun theme song too, but uh, 
I mean that that in a lot of ways that's the show that's closest to my heart. Like if I could keep if I could have kept doing any show, it would have been Dave the Barbarian. Because you could just do anything. Like there really? was no there were no rules. Like just whatever. Like anything you thought was funny, you could find a way to fit it in there. Um That's awesome. Not a lot of shows could pull that off, yeah. you know? Um I, I think now of like like a show like that's like I think of a show like Always Sunny where it's like I feel like they've gone to a part a, a spot with that show where it's, you could yeah. do anything and we're like yeah that's believable for these characters yeah. um what are you working on right now that you could tell us what can you what can you talk to us about your upcoming uh, work my wife candy and i are running a show uh for netflix that is a a spin-off of the uh, usagi yojimbo comics that uh, stan sakai has been doing for like 36 years um, it's called wow. Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles, and it's the, uh, the comic book series is set in 17th century Japan. And this is a thousand years later, a uh, descendant of the character in those comics in, in the, in the future, a rabbit who wants to be a samurai crazy stuff. So we've been, we've been working on oh, that for awesome. a while. I did, uh. Another show for Netflix that has not been announced yet that I can't talk about. Um, Candy and I worked on Maya and the Three with Jorge Gutierrez. Yet another Netflix show um, that is going to be amazing. Uh, and that, uh, that, I think that's out next year. I think most of these things are out next year. So a lot of Netflix stuff. And then we have some things that we're developing that we're trying to get going. Um, we're developing a series with Steam Powered Giraffe, uh, which is a a band uh, who portray robots on stage. They're sort of steampunk robots, um, and uh, sure, they have a they have a lot of they, they have a lot of a lot of YouTube hits. Their their stuff is is pretty popular, and uh, there there was a, they had a video for a song of theirs um, that. Uh, um, called Honeybee that uh, Candy started watching and I was watching it with her and she was like, we should develop a show with these people. And I was like, come on, look at this. They obviously already have a show in development. Like they're so perfect. Like, I mean, they must <laughs> like, they've got to have something going on. And finally she was like, I mean, maybe we could contact them and we contacted them and they were like, we would love to do something animated. And we're like, let's do it. So we've been pitching that around. And those guys are great. I I really hope we can uh, we can get that going somewhere. Um, and you know, developing some other things, writing some more movies. Uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> this is a busy time for animation. Um, like I know you have like you you mentioned you have quite a bit of Netflix partnerships and or content with Netflix. Yeah. How is it you know when it comes to working with Netflix and like their animation, because I know they are really focusing on creating animated content for their streaming platform. And it's also another yeah. area that we're like us as, as uh, streamers are, are getting into watching more cartoons through a streaming platform. How, do, how is it when yeah. it comes to working with them? They're great. I mean, we really love working with them. Um, We've worked with uh, a few different executives there, and everyone has been terrific. Um, and they really like, they just let you do your mm -hmm. show, you know? And uh, like when they have input, it's really, 
smart. <laughs> they have, like, they really get it. Um, and I think, I feel like they're doing a lot to open up animation to to people who maybe, you know, wouldn't have been into it so much before. Um, I'm really glad to see that. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing stuff that, it, you know, is more accessible to adults. <clears throat> I don't know if it's them or if it's the audiences, but it, it's, it seems like people are really more willing to take animation seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix, they, I mean, they have an interest in doing stuff that is not only for kids. Um, and also they want to do six movies a year, which is insane. <laughs> I remember, I mean, I remember when DreamWorks said that they were going to start doing two movies a year and people were literally like, it can't physically be done. That, that literally that like violates the laws of physics <laughs> to do two movies in a year. And now they want to do six. It's crazy. Yeah. Like when you, when you think about that, it's like, it's the best thing yeah, ever. That's, there's yeah. so much content on uh, like, again, like we're, we're in a, the yeah. the streaming renaissance right now with with content on every like major studio yeah. has something but when you when you think about it it's, it's crazy to see the amount of content Netflix alone is able to create yeah. so but we're excited to see yeah. what you do yeah me too i'm i'm excited to see how this stuff turns out um we're getting to, we're starting to get to see little bits of samurai rabbit now and it looks fantastic um I'm just I'm like so excited about all these shows. There literally is not a show that I have worked on lately that I'm not super excited to see. Um which is really great because like I'm one of the things that's happened <clears throat> during the pandemic is <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> we and everyone are just watching a ton of TV. <laughs> I mean there's like we're streaming so much stuff and we're binging so many shows and we're watching so much stuff and I'm just like I'm I'm like hoping that we can contribute something to, for other people to watch um because it it just it feels like it's been a lifeline um in this time of quarantine. Yeah, oh it, it definitely has. Um speaking of which just you know, before we have you leave us, what have you been watching and is there anything you're kind of looking forward to coming out? <clears throat> hmm. Um Gosh, what have we been watching? We just binged uh, Never Have I Ever uh, because we've worked with a couple of the actors on the show and we're like, they keep talking about it. We should probably watch this. Uh, and that was a fun show. I liked that a lot. Um, have not quite finished The Boys, Oh, but I've been enjoying that. I thought Watchmen was amazing. Oh, definitely. For sure. Um. We, st- we started watching Lovecraft Country, and I've never said this before. The sh- it was too intense. <laughs> like, we, we actually, we, we got a few, and we'll get back to it, but we got a few episodes in, and we were like, we have to stop watching this now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm having too many feelings mm-hmm. watching this show. <laughs> but it's, like, it's amazing to, to, like, to see a show, and you literally, like, in the first episode, you're like, thank God the monsters showed up to save them from the white people. <laughs> yeah. It's like these slavering Lovecraftian horrors are better than the white sheriff. Oh my god. It's yeah, so, yeah. It, it's so freaky watching it. Um but yeah, it's like I I feel like it's too well made. Like there was a point a few episodes in where we were like I need to watch I need to watch like the Great English Bake Off or something for a few minutes now. <laughs> you got to the weekenders. Palette. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That would be a, that weekenders would be an excellent come down from, <laughs> from any of those shows. Much milder. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Never Have I Ever because uh, the I think the, the, the lead actress in that show, Maitri, she's actually a hometown hero of ours. So it was great to see oh. her. Yeah, great to see she's from Mississauga, Ontario, which uh, you know we're pretty much in our as, as well. So it's pretty awesome for us to to see someone from here make it that big. Yeah. Now everyone's great on that show, and it's like it's just it's so great to see a show that is so like wildly inclusive mm-hmm. and and pulls it off because like i know from from working on many shows that it can be a minefield i mean it's really like you have to be really careful not to like like you can accidentally do something horrifically stereotypical um if it's not you know if you're not from the specific segment of the culture that you're writing about um it's you know it's a it's a a bit of a typewriter and i'm tightrope tightrope and i'm i'm just like so i want to say proud of them i don't have anything to do with the show i don't know why i would be proud but i'm just so pleased that they were able to do that so well and still and still have it be funny and not feel like it's pandering to anyone it just they they just bring so much together in that show that's amazing um i have to i'll have to give it a watch because i i hear about it and like i i think i gotta watch it now um yeah Obviously, Doug, we're so thankful that you were able to take the time to join us today. Um, before we finish up, is there where could our listeners follow you on your socials? Please plug away, plug whatever product you'd like to. We'd love to have our, our listeners go ahead and, and follow you wherever you want them to. Um, boy, I'm so I'm so bad at that. It's funny <laughs> because uh, uh, Candy and I write social media stuff for other people, but I'm not good at what's our Instagram. <laughs> itchy soul is there all right i'll have it People i'll have it all in that. our show notes what'd you say I, 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 yes it's true we more we don't post a lot on there we no worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we write things for other people to post on their social media but we don't post as much on ours <laughs> No worries. But obviously, do you have a lot of content for our uh, our listeners and for everybody to look forward to, especially coming to Netflix? And, you know, we're waiting for Disney Plus to finally drop Weekenders. Hopefully, uh, they'll drop before the end of the year because I'd love to have a an official way of watching this show. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people would be really happy to as well. That would be pretty cool. I'd like to see Dave the Barbarian uh, on there too. That'd be nice. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Please, uh, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. We'll keep. I keep writing in feedback. I'm like, please add these shows. Yeah. Well, everything seems uh, to be coming back. Darkwing came back. I Freakazoid was just on Teen Titans Go. So all the all the things from way back when seem to be coming back. Uh, nothing's off the table uh doug thank you so much for joining us on the movie podcast this week we are so thankful again and i can't wait to talk to you again when you have some uh when those shows arrive on netflix sometime in the future yes all right doug thank you so much again thank you thanks a lot doug thank you doug thanks bye-bye let's do some trivia so today's trivia is all about the weekenders and this what is are the days on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> How many days are in the week uh, of the Durs? Um, so my trivia question is: How many brothers does Lore oh my have? God. Uh, is this, is this uh, alphabetical choice? 
Are you giving us options? I'm gonna giving I'm giving you three options. Okay. Okay. Your first option is twelve. Okay. Your second option is fourteen. And your third option is seventeen. Oh, oh man. Okay. I thought it was seven. I <laughs> don't uh, no, no, I knew she had a lot. Uh, I was gonna say it's eleven, so I'm gonna say twelve then. And Daniel? What was it? Was fourteen an option? If fourteen was an option. I'm yeah. gonna say fourteen. Daniel, you are correct. Ah, oh, it. Fourteen brothers. Uh, that's a lot. That's, that's too many. That like every time I watched her in that house, I would I would be like, oh my god, I would not be it's able. Chaotic. to We should have asked Doug about that. Like, I would yeah. not be able to live in Doug, what's, a what, house like that. What's up with the these houses? brothers? Yeah. As always, this has been the movie podcast. You can catch a new episode every Monday across all our streaming services. Uh, or podcast streaming services. You can also follow us at this time with. No, that's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> don't follow uh, us there. Yeah, don't don't follow us there. You can follow <laughs> us the at, the movie, at the movie podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I'm so used to saying this time with. Um, that has been the movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you sounded so used to saying this time with, and then he didn't say it. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Test, test, test. Yeah. <laughs>